Right. This is going to be another classic episode of Summoning Insight. Don't really know if it's classic yet, but nowadays everyone's rights are all reviews, don't they? I see teams just going, we have one of the best players. Well, that's that's grand of you to say yourself, but okay. So obviously on Summoning Insight, we have changed things since the old days, guys. This is in 2014. We're last free nation is the brand now. And if you want to keep watching the show, look, clicking on the show, watch it is great. It's a mutual exchange. You get a show, we get a click. The thing is, if you want to support the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a review on Spotify, add it on other platforms. Obviously, we'll talk about this at the end. We've changed the whole Grogcoin question thing, so that's going to change. We're still in the process of figuring out what the new thing is, so don't worry, news coming on that. And just as a quick update, in case anyone didn't, if for some reason you managed to miss the emails, miss all the things, and you still didn't do it, just go to the Discord, the Last Free Nation Discord, go to the Grogcoin Lounge. Monty's left a message there. We can just take care of the last few people because the key thing about how we're doing this is, by the way, guys, we are literally giving money back, essentially. Yeah. We just want to make sure all the Grogcoin holders were taken care of because even though, like, look, it didn't end up being something enormous, it was something that was sort of, a, like, gave us a level of stability for the years when we were transitioning to making this company. So we appreciate everyone who did it. And I, yep. yeah, now we can start the show, obviously. So yep. one thing I will say at the beginning of the show, Monty, is I'm in, like, a slight bad mood. I'm not in that bad a mood because I was telling you before, I did see some of those like Froscorin interview clips and it, oh like once I set it from tragedy I, to comedy I sort of so, brought me out well, my funk you know explain to people because I hadn't seen this until you told me like yes. right now so explain to the fans who may not um, yes who may not here's know the thing because I'm a content creator myself I won't just because I don't think it's legit like deny this guy there's a guy on Twitter I'll quickly find his name I'll double check what it was it just did like an interview. I think it comes out tonight, like the full thing, but he's put like on Twitter, a couple of the like semi spicy clips where he's done like a tell all interview with Frost Gurren, where I believe oh, in one God. of the clips, she even says like, you know, ask me all the hard questions or whatever. Spoiler. This guy seems like he's totally on her side and agrees entirely with it. So he's not really asking the hardest ones, but essentially if you know Frost Gurren, like she's one of those people, you better talk long enough. She'll tell on herself mate. So it does look like if you want some comedy, there's some going to be some comedy in there. And there will be some explanation. It seems of what went on at G4. And so I'll just say this though. Like it does, look very much within the vein of like it is just her POV so I just saw some of the clips I'll see if I can find the name of the guy quickly just so I can tell you oh what was his name let's just see oh this is yeah, it I... his name is um happy warrior p on twitter and his show's called culture scape and he's called peter pish pisk or something like that and he, it'll be on his youtube basically but if you go to that twitter you'll see all the clips and all the rest of it and he's done like this tell all interview I will say monty this is another one of those ones where it's like Goodbye, y'all, and fuck y'all. I'm leaving. And then, like a week later, like so. Anyway, there's why. Where? I thought you One left. Last you know ride. They never, they never leave do they, at all. They never leave. Monty. What's that? You always get drawn back in by the siren song. Yes. <laughs> As you were saying before we before we got on the show, like it is hard to leave, oh, you know, really and, and just fade into obscurity, right? Do something in the background, change your career after you've been in front of stadiums full of people. It's it's tough. I get it. But the, the drive to come back will always be there, which is why it's it's not over, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and I'll even say this, by the way. I even think, just as a random aside, we're just doing a little bit of, this is almost like a petty grievances segment from Revenge by the Numbers, but we'll get into the rest of the LCS and LCK Look, man, and LC. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping that we get from that interview the names of the people that would be who great. are bigots at Riot. That would be great. Yeah. I hope that happens. Uh, yes. Because obviously, if there are, <laughs> as we said in the last episode, if there are people who have done these things, it would be nice to know who they are, especially from somebody who has allegedly nothing to do with the industry anymore and can effectively burn those bridges. So I hope that happens. 
And I will say, because I can speak from personal experience on this regard, I un- I even understand and on some degree actually feel pity for Fuscurum because I can tell you as someone who's been in the centre of the storm myself a million times, trending on Twitter where you're just the bad guy and everyone's essentially, it's like the fucking two minutes of hate or whatever, they're just giving you hate for people you don't even know and aren't even involved in the convo. I can tell you, the problem with that scenario is this. When you're someone who's who's putting all your work out on the internet to be judged, to be like, get essentially, to get attention. That is, It's one component of what you're doing. No matter who, how legit you are, you want people to read your work and to see your work and interact with your work and think about it and talk about your work. So the problem is this. When you initially start, you never get all that abuse. Like, even people who don't like you, they just ignore you, don't they? Like, whatever, I don't give a fuck. So they don't watch the episode. The problem becomes when you hit the, like, supernova level, like she has or some of us has as profiles and esports is that i'm sorry if you get that like almost there's almost an addiction to attention and unfortunately <laughs> i will always say this this is the downside that a fan will never understand this is why it's an addiction because it becomes negative the the best thing aside from positive interaction is negative interaction because what's the other option nothing it's like the old oscar wilde quote it really is though yep. and so i have to yep. say it's only <laughs> once i've fully extracted myself from that and i've seen people like richard take them like a few steps back and you notice even he's like a lot more sort of careful when he replies to someone who he replies to he doesn't jump into a lot of the big things it's because eventually you realize you actually have to disengage from smart stuff like it's just it just becomes like a feedback cycle and even when it's positive mate usually in the drama ones it's positive for you and then it's negative for the bad you know it's like no one really wins like, that stuff is just trash like i'm glad i've sort of <laughs> pulled back from that a bit. <laughs> I, the Oscar Wilde quote for you guys is uh, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about, which, which is I think in light of what we earnest. just said, that feels like the theme of why she's doing this. You know, why she'll co- but spoiler, she's not going to never tweet again. Is she? She's going to come back and say something else. We all know that's all good. And you, by the way, remember this as well. Here's one thing I do want people to do. Look, if, if, if she comes back, you can say to her, I thought you left. Like that would be totally appropriate, but she also can come back anytime she wants. That's, that's actually another thing I should have said in that other video that annoys me so much look i do think there are certain things she should probably apologize to like i would say since you did it publicly even to some of your lec colleagues etc but beyond that she could come back tomorrow if she wants to and assuming she can get a job and she could be good again so the stupid thing is it doesn't have to be the dark horse it's up to her on that one that is one of the more annoying things that fans do where it's like oh i thought you left it's like yeah but it's my life and i can do what you, well, you change my mind just, just close your eyes like, dude that's all an amazing one you would love this because this just shows you how bad like the way media is manipulated now i saw like a youtube shot because everyone if you get in that cycle you can't stop scrolling for about an hour the, the algo's too good in it spoiler we've got loads of shots as well now which i'll check them out last nation right if you're on the youtube so when you go on there i saw one that would drive you crazy monty because it goes Joe Rogan backtracks on Sean O'Malley result. And what they do is they show Joe Rogan because there was a there was a there was a decision, right, where a lot of people thought the guy who like lost the fight actually like won the fight. It was one of those ones where it was like, you know, there's like wiggle room. And Joe Rogan famously initially, even on his podcast right after, was saying, like, I don't know, I did think the other guy won, like, you know, I'm not sure that's right or whatever. And then like three weeks later, he even says this on the thing, he goes, you know, he even explains his method in this short month. He it's like a one-minute short. So he gets all this info and he explains in the video, like, you know, oftentimes when I'm watching the fight, you know, you're distracted or you, th- you focus on one thing or maybe if you're doing it at home you get a call or your kid comes in the room so he says what I like to do is I like to wait a few weeks and then go back and watch the fight again without any commentary and sort of like figure out did I get it right and he says and when I watched it actually I think that result was right and I'm like how is this back tr- you've made it sound like he's r- that is what an intellectual should do you should actually go wait a minute was I right this is a pretty big topic Check it again. No, I'm actually, I was wrong, actually. Uh, the other side. That's exactly what we want everyone to. By the way, spoiler, I would want Fuscura to do that. Be brilliant. We could all right. we could have and a good also, time again. Especially especially because these things happen, you know, a fight or a sport, they happen so quickly oh, in the course. moment. 
and you're thinking about a thousand different things. And if yes. you have a chance to slowly go over it later, maybe talk to some other experts, you know, test your theories and come back. And not only that, but admitting that you're wrong publicly and saying like, oh, I made that mistake. People jump all over you for it. But it's like, what did you want, idiots? Did you want somebody to not admit they were wrong and not try and get it right? So you'd rather just them be wrong in perpetuity? It's fucking insane. Speaking of which, you'll like, media. you'll like this, Monty, <laughs> because here's where you're about to find out. I might be too legit for my own good. You already knew that, but the fans won't know <laughs> what I mean by that. Here's why. Because do you know what's sick, Monty? Do you remember a story? You will when I remind you of it. Do you remember the story? Everyone forgets the key secondary detail where in the off season of 2014 was when I famously, by my friend, was offered the job to coach Fnatic. Literally offered as in, like, it's yours if you want it. I even was told you could take, like, three weeks. You think about They kept opening the offer, making it better. By the way, Fnatic actually seemed super legit when they did this. I thought it was a very respectable way they dealt with it all. They were doing a great job. I just decided not to do it. And spoiler, part of the reason I decided, unfortunately, was I did know they were going to get this rookie roster and they weren't going to have Reckless and expect kids. So, so unfortunately, I did also essentially think like, this must not do anything. So famously, because I had the behind the scenes info, Monty, I did two videos. One was like, Something like Fnatic lost the offseason. By the way, later that year, they went 18 and 0. Guys, they had a perfect split. And they won both the splits. And then the other one I did, you might remember, was when Rockat got Nuke Duck. You remember? They got Nuke Duck in their team. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. They've got Yankos, Nuke Duck. At the time, even Vanda was really good. And I was like, this could be. And I did that video that was like, Rockat won the offseason. And obviously, famously, they finished seventh in both splits and like just missed even going to the play. And they did nothing. Obviously, didn't go to Worlds, right? Even though they actually had a little run in, in summer where they weren't bad. And I will say to Nuke Duck, he was not not bad that's play actually had some good individual games right here's the thing monty i was about i would have been wrecked like that this off season luckily when i was ill was when i didn't publish a video that was called excel won the off season <laughs> <laughs> but here's why i'm too legit to finish the joke this is going to be a short in itself i'm thinking i'll still do it <laughs> Even though I'll, I will see in the video, I was wrong, and here's why. It's and because uh, because there's two reasons why, and this will jump us into the convo. One, because it's funny. Like, let's be real. You want people to make bold takes like that. There's a like there's a very famous one, for example, what you won't know unfortunately in English soccer, which was right before Man United had this insane dynasty of like winning most of the Premier Leagues and all the. They they did it right, not with like old school players. They brought in all these players from their academy squad, and famously, the best um, comment analyst and commentator on English football called. Alan Hansen said, you don't win anything with kids. And then obviously that was like the one like exception to the rule and they won like everything with the kids, right? The joke <laughs> is, I think you do need those because the point is we can't always be right and sometimes you are going to be spectacularly wrong when you give enough takes. But I also think to segue, let's start talking about LEC a little bit. I actually well, think, and are you ready? This is the ball take for you, Monty. I actually believe that if you look how bad XL is, it's going to sound so counterintuitive. If you look how bad XL is, and specifically, if you look how shocked everyone who's legit in the scene is about how bad the individuals are playing. That's the thing. It's yep. not like they're all playing well and it just doesn't work. Even individually, there's all these, like, the joke is it's like dissynergy everywhere. Players who it seems like are too, too many players in the same style or not enough of another style. Like, every factor's wrong. So here's the mad thing, though, guys. Because of the player talent, I can tell you, this reminds me of the Fnatic team that got it together. If you ever do... Come on, and this is why the one factor left for me is the young buck factor. If you can ever find a band-aid, or you can, or maybe even spoiler, you put in a different jungle or something. There's a world also where they could actually still be good. Look, they're not going to be the best like our thought. I don't think they're going to be number one, but I still think they could be like the fourth or fifth best if they get it together. That's I know that's a hot take, but that is the point <laughs> of the show. No, I think I think uh, I think you're absolutely right, and people misunderstand the point of anal analysis. Like 
you the point is not to be correct all the time. It's if something goes wrong, then your previous take serves as a point of contrast and a jumping off point of discussion about what went wrong or what went right. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, you, you can't predict the future. Maybe some player falls off a cliff. Maybe some player levels up. Maybe they get a rookie who's absolutely spectacular. It's the same shit. You wouldn't have expected Faker to do as well as he did in his first year of play. Uh, that was just a meteoric rise that was unreasonable to predict that any human would do yep. that. And it was obviously unreasonable to predict that XL would be literally last place in the standings. <laughs> that's why it's so wild that we have to talk about it. <laughs> but that's also the what's fun about the unpredictable. By the way, the moment that she made me realize that I would have been endlessly dunked on for that video if it had to come out in the offseason <laughs> was the moment they lost to Astralis, who, if you remember, the first week looked like, like one of the worst teams to ever play in the like when they lost that game it was like there's no way you're at the bottom there's no way to go now like you know and and also for you morons out there turns out that hate views count for exactly the same number of views as like yeah. views so by all means let's make some hot takes and then you exactly. guys can just watch them endlessly yes, exactly. <laughs> guess who wins in that one it's us yes <laughs> by the way what are your thoughts on the xl team at the moment because i will say one thing I, that's a bit depressing to me this is the, the con conversation i'd like to bring one up thing. This, i can't wait what's the one thing the one big topic to me is this monty i think this is one of those areas where fans are too reductive where they use their terminology you know back in the day famously like players in interviews would only use two descriptors i am aggressive or passive like, and that, that doesn't explain the whole spectrum of how you play. And plus, you know, there's a million different types of being aggressive or what does passive mean? Does it mean passive in lane and but not in team fight? You know, in the same way, I feel like one area, the XL one's annoying me a bit, Monty, is it's making people think that like players who are good at scaling, it, they, you'll notice they'll always do this. This is why LS will always be unpopular to certain people. Noobs and nephews from solo queue don't want to believe scaling is a thing. They think it's what an inferior player does when he like can't, you know, have the balls to go it for flows. that one. Yeah, they, <laughs> so the joke is XL, because of that, they're playing a minute super slow, they're not winning lanes, they're bad, they don't even get to the lane yet. They've made people believe like it's just trying to do scaling. It's like their problem as well is they have no early presence, it's not just the scaling. Like, the joke is they might even be able to do something if they went to the scaling part of the game. They just don't ever get there, do they? <laughs> or they throw the game if they're there anyway. <laughs> or they get advantages through Renekton side lanes, build Prowler's Claw for split pushing. That was and mental, it? Basically are forced to group. They are forced to group because yep. uh, if the rest of the team is doing so badly that there's dragon stacking going on or there's a Baron play and then Odo Omne gets CC'd forever, which is just what happens uh, when you have Renekton in a team fight in the yep. late game. And it's not his fault. It's just an inability to actually convert some of these leads into wins. Right. You know, I always thought that was the whole reason, just to make it a tiny bit abstract, why when everyone used to go in on LS, when he used to say he always thought Renekton was a bad champion, it's because that's always what he meant. Yeah, everyone knows in the lane it's good. Right, spoiler, that's been Renekton forever in League of Legends. <laughs> it's like at least like even in lane, in it? But the point was exactly what you're talking about. You'd watch it in like the LPL and the LCK, and then Renekton would just go into a fight, and then everyone just turns like, fuck this guy up. And it's just like, you just deleted it. <laughs> and, and as you're saying, he wasn't even building a tank build, was he? So he had no chance of that one. He's just getting... He's like gone like that, what he? Yep, just get kited forever. Get get <laughs> and kited forever. I know. Yeah. So, and, and the thing about the thing about good Asian teams who play Renekton is that they're able to win that lane hard enough that there's a constant pressure exactly. point that the other team has to play around. Is it a inherently risky strategy? Yes, it can totally backfire on you, right? And it's very trans. It's a very transparent strategy. You frequently know what the other team is trying to do. And they have to be able to stop you from doing it, which is also difficult. Um, but it is 
it, you know, there, there are ways to play this champion and there are ways to play it where it is extremely good, but I, I don't know if uh, that's with the strategy XL, I would be doing <laughs> exactly. with XL right Yes, now. exactly. Because the problem with XL is <laughs> the team isn't coordinated enough to pull off that strategy consistently and to create a win out of it. So eventually they're going to have to team fight and they're just, you know, even if Odo Omni has that large lead, it will just evaporate in that condition. So, I mean, I think it's hard to know what's going on with the XL. Uh, did you see VTO's tweet where he said he had lost all confidence and that know. was the only thing that he had? Which, by the way, is a very French response. I always do say, you have to understand that, because I always just say this about SOAS. It's like, when they complain a bit, like, that's just like breathing, mate. Like, that's going to happen. So the point is, like, because I agree, Monty, from knowing the French CSGO players as well, Everything, every interview was always about their emotional state and were they feeling good yeah. and happier, content, and so yeah, I agree that that's why they are considered, you know, a passion race as well. Well, not a race, but a people as well, aren't they? Like it's true when the the idea is when he's lost the romance that he can actually they can actually be a top team. It feels like you saw maybe he's given up or something, you know, which is sad. Well, it's true. also also the French condition is the constant and crushing sense of ennui, right? And so what you it I feel like. French people are going to get so mad. I feel like French culture is just a perpetual battle against the ennui. It's like there is an existential dread at the core of French being, and you're just trying to distract yourself from that. But then sometimes you 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 have to gaze back into the abyss. Uh, and it feels like that's And then it's like extremely hyperbolic, right? Um, because everyone else who... By the way, just as a side, before anyone quote, gets mad, you think we haven't like di dissected the American psyche in competing in esports for ten years now, guys? I, I think we've gone pretty deep on that yeah. one. Like we're not we're not really going that harsh <laughs> yeah. on the French here, are we? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think you know, obviously, French players historically in esports have been significantly better across ones, all yeah. esports than Americans. Like they're a, a super good uh, yeah, yeah, country sure. when it comes to esports and and producing top players, but they do seem to ride on emotional highs a lot of the time. Now, um, so I in part of it because they're on emotional like roller coaster is it means that like whereas i think some teams like i'll give you an example i've known some eastern european teams monty where it was like kobe and shaq like those people literally like fuck you fuck you and then they just win the game right that is not the french teams at all the french teams also are the ones with why it's actually relevant you're bringing this up about xl the vibe i get is is when you also sort of lose faith in a teammate it's dead it's over at that point you know like they're not just going to play through it like they need to sort of feel like we're all on the same page we know this is working you know which is like XL seems like the opposite of that, obviously, right now. It's it's in just the most dysfunction you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it, it does it does feel like really hyperbolic from VTO, but also just I mean, looking at their presence on stage, they seem I I think this team is boom. I don't I don't know what you do at this point in time because it just feels like you you have to make some sort of change and at least they have that option um, on Power Spike yesterday, which you guys should watch, by the way, with me and, and Degon and Dom. Dom brought up the point that Abadage is, a, in fact, a substitute player for XL. And if VTO is in the dumps like this, I think you, you, you have to replace him with Abadage for this next week because there's nothing to lose, right? The way the new system works, if you're one in five heading into the last week of competition... You know, oh, nice. Yeah, you got three games left. You have to win probably at least two of those if you're going to make it out. So you might as well just use this time to roll the dice, give VTO a little bit of a break. Um, there's arguments as well for Gilius coming in instead of um, instead of Zerxe because I think that might even be the best movement. That Zerxe one seems like the team's just collapsed around. His style isn't working at this team, man. 
There's no, no and the thing is, is Zerse was always a kind of farming first jungler. And I think he probably picked up first off, he, he started that way. But second off, he's been on a lot of garbage teams. Yes. And I don't think he's a bad player. I think frequently he's been the best player on bad teams. But I think because of his experience of basically like the only way he could win was by carrying the game himself and ignoring a lot of what was going on in the map and just like mega farming on Karthus. He has he maybe doesn't really know or forgot how to play around good lanes um, because he doesn't seem particularly interactive at this point. Let's be real. If you are Vethyorn, you watched him in Misfits. You'd play his lane all day long if you're the jungler, wouldn't you? Like, getting that guy out of lane up in CS, Monty, is just how you win the game if you're misfits in it. Like, that's all they did. <laughs> you get him to a team fight and he kills everyone. Right. And pick Yumi. So he has, he plays Akali and there's a Yumi yeah, on him, right? That too. Uh, I, I, I do think that that is a, I, I said this a lot last year when it came to VTO, but a lot of the wins that misfits had when they came back from behind were really 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 enabled by yumi oh they were and and if there wasn't yumi in those games i don't think misfits that was like the ultimate blue games. shell wasn't it that that, right. that combo because as you say you have like a fed akali which at the time was one of the strong champions plus the yumi like the joke was like i don't know how you stop that in a team fight if the guy's really good like that should kill everyone yeah so i mean i think i think that there were extenuating circumstances around vto where there were band-aids that hid i think some of the flaws within misfits and their record was better because they were allowed to have yumi a lot of the time um not to say that we do think that this is like an unusually bad set of form also from him though like even even with that said monty he was just so much better than this in past splits the eye test was mega on this play i i genuinely feel almost betrayed not not by him personally (laughs) but in the sense that like i thought this was like a slam dunk this is like a caps like this is just they gotta be good you know well it's it's also i mean if you look at the way that excel built this roster clearly they believed in xerxe because they gave up marcoon who's actually been really good on on sk like here we go Go on, go on, set it up, and I'll, I'll, do, I'll give you another bang. I'll give you the bomb. Because here's the thing. I have to divide, you have to understand, guys. I'm like Jaime D. I can't just put a bomb on everyone. I have to decide which bombs go on Best Damn League Show tomorrow after the LBL. Which oh, ones go Zillian. here? So, yeah, so it's silly, silly, yeah, sorry. Uh, they're both crap champions, aren't they? So, but here's the thing. Here's the bomb for you. Here's what I heard in the off season, And then here's right. a new piece of info. And these two pieces of info, ooh, Mm, that's delicious. Right, are you ready? So first of all, I heard in the off-season, when he became available, they were trying to get Jankos, right? Imagine yeah. imagine this team with Jankos. Because, spoiler, you know what I just <laughs> said before? Like, just focus Vethio's lane, get him and cover for it. Like, that's literally what Jankos is the king of. He just did that for Caps for like, half a decade, didn't he? Like, the guy's amazing. And then secondly, are you ready for the next piece of info? This one's really juicy. This one's come out of the oven. It's still moist. That's no burn on it, Monty. I've got, oh, it's the perfect brisket because they're ready. Here's the banger. I've heard Jankos's buyout is low, low six figures. So if really? you're Excel, ooh, maybe I, because oh, my interesting thought, because they paid a big buyout for Targamas. Yep. And Isn't they have wild? money. Interesting. Because similarly, by the way, I'll give you both bombs this week, Monty. You can have both. Donald's <laughs> yes. have to have analysis. Sister. The second bomb is this. 
I agree. The Marcoon pickup from SK is genius because he is actually overqualified to be on a team like that. He is someone who has improved year on year. Quite frankly, he's always looked good with his mid and actually luckily he has an understanding of the game. So to me, I, haven't, I remember thinking like, this is a fucking steal that SK is getting him. Oh, I also heard the same thing about SK, that SK could have had Jankos and that literally, yep. are you ready for this one? I heard on their one, it would have happened, but it was one of those ones where like you get the wrong message like a day late and so they ended up at Marcoon instead. So the joke is, there's about two different ways they could have ended up with Jankos on XL. <laughs> and the joke is, if I were them, I would pull the trigger now because, it, like I said, remember what I said at the beginning? That could save the roster, mate. Like, look at look at him right now. You know that game they had against G2? We'll transition to some other teams here. You know the game where G2 were playing against Heretics and the Yike guy again was getting all these kills and looking at... Dude, the, go watch Jankos is playing this game. You can't ask someone to do more. Like, he's trying yeah. to, like, cover every spot where the guy is and turn up and do the... And, yeah, look, his team's not as good as G2. He couldn't have won the game. But I still think Jankos has it, mate. I think if you look at on their X team, they're way better than I thought they were going to be. And he's one of the reasons. Yeah, I, I think that Heretics... Look, you know, they, they obviously don't have the best record in the league, right? They're they're 3-3, three and three, but this is a team that I, I think I put it sixth or seventh yeah I had seventh. Uh, when we yeah i think we had but i think we both had them at seventh yeah um just because we thought it's a very interesting experiment but we don't know whether this team is actually going to come together with any kind of meaningful synergy but they've they've honestly had a lot of upside i, I mean it was very impressive to watch uh jack spectra in that game against Fnatic, where he basically willed them to victory on the zeri they were in a really rough spot now they had a a much better, I think, late game team composition than Fnatic did. But Jack Spectra pulled off some really impressive team fighting and decision making on the Zeri in order to get them back into that game. Yankos also had a very good game in that one. So Heretics is is kind of like low-key been a really fun team to watch, like surprisingly yeah, fun. They are very entertaining as well. Evie has done exactly what we thought he would be doing within the within the LEC, which is being his normal 1v1, super aggressive, very entertaining top lane self. And he keeps getting Cassante for Should we do that combo? Should we talk about that? Because here's the thing. I feel like a, it's a common thing I explain to the nephews over and over again, but I'll do it again. So one thing I've tried to change in my analysis in league, because what I try to look for, Monty, in analysis areas is I try to look for an angle that other people don't take so that I can like round out the show and round out the broadcast. So, so one of the angles I'm taking in the same way as you might notice in CSGO, I changed my actual style of judging roster moves based on knowing how much the teams have and how much they paid. So instead of saying like, this is a good player, great deal. If I know actually, wait a minute you paid like four times more that's not a good deal or you know someone's doing okay but they're on mega money i go that's not a good performance so similarly the factor i need to bring up here on this topic of the evy one is people are doing the th same thing with the yumi one from last year monty like you moron just don't give him yumi ban yumi and it's like here's the problem guys do you think none of these teams have ever played the heretics in a scrim do you think they haven't played them in the scrim after week one what that actually implies to me is one either they can handle this Cassante in the scrim or two Two, he might have some even more deadly shit in his pocket that they're just not wanting to play because I don't buy it. Like, look, I agree. Some of these games, there are certain angles I might have taken him off it. I do think he looked mega at times. But I also do think, like, that they're doing, like I say with the Yumi one, it isn't a universal thing that you always should take it out. Like, there, there are scenarios where you have to play against it based on what else is in the pool. Like, remember that convo we had with Yamato where he explained why he... At certain teams he would let the Yumi through and sort of dare them to pick it. Certain teams he would just perma back. So that it's not as simple as just ban Cassante, even though he has looked amazing for Evie and he's probably the only person who consistently rocks on it, right? 
he's he's also drawing uh top lane bands you know he's drawing jack's bands he's drawing yep. renekton which bands which implies to me he probably just a monster on jacks right now or something you know <laughs> well he's always been a, he like he has typically been a monster on jacks and jacks is a monster in the meta so i think i think when we when we consider cassante also i will say like the cassante the cassante priority is warped because western teams are bad uh, if we actually think about, yep. if you watch games, if you want to, here's a good example. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but when you look at the, the premier match that happened this week, which was D plus versus T one, which by the way, is going to be the premier match in the yep. regular season in the world every time it happens, because, uh, we don't know, really know which LPL teams are super good yet. And outside of JDG, it doesn't seem like there's obvious front runners uh, in LPL. But these two teams are so fucking good right now that until some more LPL uh, competition emerges, emerges as their, their teams start to gel, it's going to be a while. And what we saw in that match was Kana versus Zayas. And how this matchup should go is that... Cassante should be doing very well in the early laning phase. But the reason why people are always saying in LCS or LEC, well, why are they playing Jax into Cassante? Is because eventually Jax is both better in split pushing and better in team fighting. Uh, Cassante is excellent in skirmishes. Like if you get him at any point in the game into a, a you know, a 2v2 or 3v3, that's where he really shines. But because his kit and his ult is designed to isolate people, right? If you don't get that isolation and you don't force the skirmish, he's not very good. And if you consider the fact that Jax can jump in, be immune to auto attacks, AOE stun people, the way they changed his ultimate, um, he's very good in teamfights right now. Better, yeah. And he's very good. And if you watch T1 versus D plus game two, you see Kana's doing very well versus Jax. But eventually, Zayas just becomes a split-pushing monster, even though T1 is behind in the early game. And T1 basically wins the game because of split push pressure on Jax, forcing a team fight and then also having the better team fighting. So there is, it's not that Cassante, I think, is super broken. I think that you just have to know how to play around him. And that's not happening. Right? Yes. No, I also agree. This is also where I'm sorry. If you do think Cassante is just, like the joke is, if you listen to fans, Monty, by their logic, when it's not banned, you should just blind it instantly in the first pick of the draft. Like the problem <laughs> with that is that you're, you're telling on yourself that you don't watch Chelsea can LPL, you idiots. As Monty just explained quite eloquently. And, and nobody's just telling himself. Cassante. No, of course. By the way, Evie sometimes picked him up second rotation, guys. That means they really think they can handle him playing on it. And also, I'll add this in as well. From seeing some of the other Western Cassantes, I also think, mate, that like you also get lulled into it. Remember, a lot of people still use global meta thinking. So if you play 10 scrims, Monty, and only two of them are against Heretics, and he's good on it, but then everyone else on Cassantes, actually, like, you know, you can deal with him in the scrim, or you can still beat him, or you use a counter, then you're going to think the champion isn't that strong. You know what I mean? The champion itself, you might yep. think, oh, it's not that good. You could do it. Yeah. Which is the classic refrain, isn't it? It's why scrims are so different to real games. By the way, that's what kills me as well. You know, when they did that interview with Mad Lions, with um, El Yoya, where he was making those jokes about like Hillisang and uh, Kazi, how they play in the bot lane and how mad they are. And he basically said that in scrims, they just like, you know, it's either they're up 10 kills or they're down 10 kills. Why is that still a thing in League of Legends? 
Why is that still how scrim culture works? That when we play scrim, because by the way, Monty, we had this in CSGO at one point in time. It actually used to be famously what held NA teams back is NA teams would play like this in scrims. In scrims with no pressure and it doesn't matter the result, you just play super aggressive on the edge. You'd push every single possible like scenario. You gamble constantly. But what, what people used to say, which changed some of the NA teams that actually made them more disciplined in CSGO, Monty, was we used to say to them, the way you play should be the way you practice. So if you practice hyper-aggressive like that, but then in the game, well, of course, I'm not going to take all the shot, then you're actually practicing, like, not the way you're going to play the game. Why is that? Why in Europe are people still having these stories where they're bot lane, like, haha, they are up 10 kills at 10 minutes. Like, what game's going to be like that in the in the actual tournament? Like, why are both teams playing that way? Like, that's that's almost like you're trolling the scrim to me, you know? Yeah. I, I You know, it's a, it's a big problem, I, I think, overall. It's why... Yeah, scrimbucks are also very dodgy because teams frequently don't play like they do. Uh, yes. And, you know, to a certain point, it is practice. Like you need to try new things and sometimes good teams sometimes you limit test, yeah, as, sure. they, as they try to do that or they need to limit test. So it just depends on the team's practice philosophy as well. But I agree you need that consistency. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you look at you look at some of these basically, guys, if Cassante is so busted, just ask yourself this question. How come, if he's super broken, can he get through 10 bans yep. and six picks? So he, he's literally like the 17th champion off the board <laughs> at times. <laughs> like, what, what? Really? You think he's that broken? I mean, he's good. Yes. He's good, but he's not. He's obviously not ban worthy. And he does lose games if, you, you know, if he's not in LCS. <laughs> And by the way, I'm not actually sure of this. You, you, you sort of know him as a, as a friend person. I just know him for info. You know Peter Dunn a bit better than me. Was it implied that Peter Dunn actually did handpick the Heretics roster? I, I don't know. I mean, we could just ask him. I'm sure he'd be willing to Because all I'll say is, if it, if it is true, then even though, look, I actually don't think this guy's going to be like some superstar player, but... I, I actually, if this was, put it this way, if Astralis had signed the Ruby guy, I'd probably be like, who the fuck's this guy? Like, just, <laughs> Peter Dunn just does it again and again, mate. Like, how many times does he have to trip over and find these people? Like, this guy's playing way better than I thought he could. Some of these games are pretty good. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they, they have CL as well, right? The, the Rogue, oh, that's true. Yep. the former Rogue coach. So they've quietly put together on Heretics, like a very interesting coaching <laughs> did staff. You, did you see that tweet from Yankos? <laughs> no what, you're gonna love tweet? this because this is right in the vein of one of the famous like types of humor we like on the show you remember back in the day well because we were introducing all the koreans like ryu we always used to make fun of the fact that like some of them because you know the majority of koreans are like the confucian culture like, you know very respectable and honorable i do my job i'm a professional but then you get the ones where they just go they're the joker and some of them are wild but in a very korean way right and so oh sorry this was actually about evie sorry japanese player, but a similar concept it's like it's asian culture etc right there's a story Yankos told on Twitter where you, I don't know if you know this, but CL, the guy you said, that former coach, yeah. one of the details he did, he actually did a video on his YouTube channel. He explained that at one point in time he was homeless while he was like getting his like transition, I think, from college to like becoming a coach. And then obviously as a coach, he went through all like shit jobs and word his way up. And so when he told this story to Evie, Yankos said that Evie just replied, wow, what a trash story. But that he explained <laughs> then, like later, that he meant sad story. But Yankos said, I couldn't stop laughing. It's like, that is fucking amazing. Imagine someone going and then i was homeless and you know, I had to really grind and then you just turn to the guy and go wow what a trash story <laughs> just looking dead in his eye like oh my mistake oh, maybe we'll keep it professional eh? like <laughs> that's so wild isn't it that's so wild 
feel I feel so bad because he was obviously didn't also, why was Jankos well. there for this conversation? Oh, is my amazing. next question. Why was he just he's just eavesdropping in? I know. <laughs> I bet why he does no joke because I bet it is like because everyone remembers if people don't know back in the day it was also Jankos that brought us the Ryu stories from H2K. Remember when he was in that team? So I think at this point in time he must just know there's comedy potentially available when you have an Asian player trying to speak in English. With it. So he just I bet the second they go over it's I don't know if he has those modern headphones where you can tap on the side. I bet he just like instantly like, mutes his in-game sound like. And he's just like listening out the corners. Yeah, like, what's going on over there? Because if people don't know, there are—I won't go through them all, but I'll give you one. One of the one of my favorite stories of all time, because it's so stupid, is when Ryu joined that Rock Hat team, H2K. Sorry, when he was on H2K yep. with Yankos. He famously, Yankos, when Ryu left the room, would just go on his PC and put that fake a 1v1 on. And then just, he'd come back like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> so stupid in it, I know. That's one of my all-time favorite anecdotes, mate. It's so messed up, in it? You just come back to your worst moment, really I know. I mean, there were some amazing ones. First off, like all of the Ryu shit, like the, the stuff probably used to tweet as well about the story. About he was like a mobster, wasn't he? He sounded like a gangster. Yeah. Yeah. Was, the joke is, we didn't have the term back then. We was like a giga chad, wasn't he? <laughs> That's, exactly. Yes. The, the term for Ryu hadn't been invented yet. Yes. He was the precursor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, super, super funny. Um, right, what about this then? I thought another fun team we could talk about in LEC. Because all we'll do is we'll just pick some topics. This is what we're going to do. We're going to try and do LEC, LCS, and LCK. So let's just pick interesting topics and go across. We don't do every team. But I thought one we should talk about is, got to talk about Fnatic, mate. Because, mate, there's still... What are, this team's still... <laughs> it's like a funny yo-yo. It's wild, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is, it is surprising. I mean, the, the surprising results are like Fnatic, Koi, and Excel are all this bad. Like, what are the odds yep. that all of them would oh, be wild. this bad? Uh, these are teams that I think were you were unanimously in the top five. It, I and did actually though, make a point on these shows, if people remember, before we started LEC, that I did think the one downside of LEC is I think they've actually diluted the top talent of the top teams into more squads. I think there's like four or five squads they gave a chance to win, and then the middle is going to be way more upset. It's like, unfortunately, they don't have a team like, like even the Rogue and G2 teams, they would win most of their games, mate. Like, it was very rare they'd get upset. Like, I think, like, I mean, you've seen it now. The upsets are crazy in LEC. There's not really that many teams that are like bona fide, like all good across the board. Maybe what, maybe G2 and Vitality is about it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, well, even G2, uh, <laughs> had uh, G2 and Vitality had kind of a rough week ish because they both lost to SK, which was, I, I won't say surprising because as I said last week, the scrim bucks were pretty high on SK from what I was hearing from a lot of the, the LEC teams was that SK was actually like really quite good in right. scrims and they didn't translate it in week one, but I think you can see that this team at least is more than the sum of their parts. And they're getting actually some pretty good performances out of players like Markung and uh, Exekick in particular. Um, I mean, Exekick and Das have actually... So it's just had a few pop-off moments yeah. as, as expected, yeah. which he kind of did last split. He's, he's continued now, yeah. Yeah, it really looks like a team that's that's on the rise. And 3-0 on the week for SK Gaming is, is obviously puts them basically guaranteed into yep. the next round, especially because they've got, kind of gotten rid of most of their hard opponents. Like, basically, if they beat Astralis this next week, they'll have five wins and then they'll be top eight. I mean, I they're remember, probably already top eight. But. And they probably almost certainly are. I always point this out. 
Look, you as a as a fan who likes big moves and sensational transfers, yeah, it's not SK is never going to be sexy. But I've told you, because my old boss st- runs SK Gaming, still is also like almost playing like a semi GM role in the team with the person who is his GM. He's never going to spend money. He's always going to try and find deals. So, for example, yeah, in the past, he would pay like a treat or someone, or he would have paid Jankos a nice salary. But the others, he's going to go with an academy player, with a player that someone doesn't want, or because they're from Germany, he's going to go with a Prime League player who's shown it off in their region. They're always going to go the budget route. But I'll say it again, like I've said it in the past. Mate, this is how you know that OG esports people have to know business, because otherwise they'd have died off in about four recessions. SK Gaming, if you don't know, I went to their recent anniversary. They've been running continuously for 25 years as one of the biggest orgs in the world now sure they're not at the same scale if you don't know they used to be t1 or like phase clan or whatever you want to say now that used to be sk they're not at that stature but bear in mind now they're trying to do sort of the like efficient gming approach dude they've shown in this format and the past ones it works how many times did they sneak into lec playoffs when it was only six teams now they're going to get through this phase just on the first one some people maybe thought it would be questionable to come ninth and then i have to say when they get to the best of threes Maybe they can mix it up even there. I doubt they're going to go much in the playoffs. They could win a series. They've shown it so far, you know? Yeah. Um, and they started rough, but they're on a four-game winning streak right now, and they they did what had to be done, which is basically make sure that they're going to get through the next round of competition, barring any kind of crazy upset scenario. But with so many t- with two teams at one and five already, it seems super unlikely that that's going to happen because – Astralis and Excel would have to go basically 3-0 in the next week, obviously, even to tie up at four wins. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I'll also give credit as well. I do think one of the best pickups they did, like was an underrated one, was getting the irrelevant guy. Because again, if you want your like main thing, think about the classic way you do League of Legends. If you want your mid in ADC to carry, let's just get a guy who's brilliant at fucking weak side. And, and this guy, you saw this way, he could do his job. This guy could do his job, mate. Bear in mind, he's never had big fanfare, and he has picked one of the worst names of all time to be a professional player, <laughs> unless you are faker, as I've always pointed out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think it's been fun to watch this roster. I'm excited to see both them and BDS doing well because it, it makes the league a lot more exciting. Also, just as a side note, uh, for those of you fans who aren't aware, quietly, the LEC changed some tiebreaker rules. Uh, oh, okay. I haven't talked about this before, but I, I looked it up because it was interesting. I was like, well, you know, you're, you're, brown, you're bound to get some ties in a scenario where you only have nine games, nine okay. best of ones to decide what the standings are going to be. And the way that they're doing it is actually a strength of schedule. So they Ooh, take so it's, like, it's of, a bit like the Bucolt system in Swiss then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a Bucolt system basically. So what you do is at the end of the round robin, you have the, you know, first through 10th place teams, and then you compare the strength of your victories. So you get basically more points for beating at the first place team than the second place team than the third place team. Which, so, by the way, is going to massively benefit the SKs of the world. That's going to, by the way, that makes it even harder for your Excel. Now you have to essentially beat G. Well, you can't, you've already played some more. I mean, like, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because they have beaten G2 uh, yeah. and Vitality. It is going to be very difficult. Um, they lost to Mad Lions, but basically... That is very relevant. Called. You're right. Yeah, that means yeah, essentially so, now you don't have to win the same number of games. You might have to win like, what, one more? Or, you know, you have to you have to be ahead of them. You have to. Yep. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really good system. And it's nice because obviously there were those really stupid uh, tiebreaker rules at Worlds that I talked about in the YouTube video on my channel. And... They they have really shored that up and actually put some thought into the tiebreaker rules besides game length. And it's nice to see. 
So I'm I'm a big fan of the new format. I think they did a very good job. By the way, it just feels like they don't do that anymore, thankfully. But if they ever bring game length back as a tiebreaker, we've got to do, Monty, some sort of stupid skit of like size doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's what you do with it. You Because know, so I've, <laughs> exactly. I've always thought that is one of the most egregious tiebreakers of all time. Like game length. Like, imagine, because this is a genuine example I would give guys. That would be like in chess being like, right, well, this person won in the least moves, like, it's a chess game, mate. Did I win or didn't I? What strategy was I taking? Who were you? What's your style? You know, like, I've always thought that was one of the dumbest ones because the problem is, this is why I hate it, Monty. To someone really dumb, it makes sense. So Riot gets away with it. But to anyone who knows the game, it doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense The chess analogy is a good one because everyone would just instantly disagree. Ridiculous, that. wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and logically, think this is the same reason why I hate that tiebreaker. Because when you know it, imagine in chess, if I know that that's the tiebreaker and I'm behind. Now I don't even play a normal last game. I'm just trying to do some mad all-in in chess, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like I've also thought that was so egregious, so stupid a premise. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> So what about this then? The obvious team everyone's loving. So we talk about, let's talk about Vitality, shall we? Uh, I want to talk about BDS want... real oh, sorry, quick then. first, and then we'll talk about Vitality. Because I I, have, I did have Vitality, number one. Hell yeah. I mean, I got a lot of other shit wrong. Ignore the fact that I said Koi, Fnatic, and Excel would also be good, but I was correct about Vitality, number one. Uh, but BDS, BDS, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I have to flame the org because... Crown shot or crowny, I guess, as he's now known, he was on this roster last year. Yes, and they can they just refused to play him and kept putting X Maddie in instead. Well, of it like academy, they fucking, made him in academy. Yeah, yeah, they had him in their academy team. He's having a fucking great season. Yeah, he's he's had some monster performances on this roster, and it was funny. Let uh, me just say <laughs> the line, guys. Right now, crown shot is better than reckless. But what's new? Now we'll put the what's new. The what's new was it was wasn't legit, but right now he is. It's not even unfair. Well, it was funny because uh, average averages like two and a half autos in a fucking team fight at the moment, mate. Like, go on, keep going. <laughs> I, I tweeted, I tweeted this, um, and Empire, the the team EG uh, yeah, analyst yeah. and coach, uh, he he tweeted back something that I thought was was quite a good observation, which is that uh, th this BDS team had four of these five players in their system, either on their main team or in their academy team last year. The only one they didn't have was Lebrov, right? And they didn't figure out this roster. Yet it's significantly better than their roster last year, which I think is pretty embarrassing because we're also, I, I guess, quick, the only a quick kind of mini bomb. This is like a bomber man. It's like, we just dodge it, right? The mini bomb is I also heard for that roster last year, BDS mega overpaid nearly all the positions. So that made it even more egregious. They were that bad last year. So I, it is mad that they've managed to sort of like get the right combo together. Now I just feel bad for grabs. He's not there anymore. Like he doesn't get a benefit from it. Does he? <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Grabs will. He is a good coach, despite what happened in BDS. I think he is. I'm sure he'll find. He'll I think find he actually another. showed he was in BDS, mate. Because again, all I'll tell you is, I think that roster was bad last year. But man, the amount of games they'd be against top teams getting ahead in the early game, or like a half decent draft. Like I thought, he just that. That's where you prove your worth, in my opinion. You also can't fix as a coach players like once they get into a late game decision making situation there's actually just nothing you can do to help them once they're in that game well, you'll love you this one team. anymore are you ready i'm gonna give you a nephew take that's gonna actually cringe your skin homie <laughs> so i'll have to quickly look which coach it is exactly let me double check which coach it is 
Oh, it's Vitality. You're going to love this. This is a Reddit take from a nephew who actually, they, it was upvoted, mate. People really agreed with this take. Are you ready? Because they're playing really well in Vitality, specifically following up on all those like mad ball players where they don't ever just leave him on his own. They all just follow up and it's like as a team, they just go in as cycles. That's why they're so thrilling to watch right now. Someone tried to explain that. So then a fan tried to come in and take all that credit for that coach Carter who came from Misfits because he goes, are you ready? This is so dumb. He goes, that's because before the game, he always tells his team, play together, go in together, stick together. Do you really think it's like fucking a new, like Star Wars, a new hope? And when it's 45 minutes in the game, like Monty's talking about, that suddenly like he appears like a force ghost in the mind of fucking like perks and whatever. And he goes like, remember, play together and always go in. That's a like I, I was going to just back off and leave this guy, but now I'm, they, they, that's not, that's not real guy. The coach can't Man, the give line, that point the, at all. The line has to be, use the force, nuke. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> that's a point that that's, by the way, you know, this is a coach. That's actually the most frustrating thing about League of Legends as a discipline. It's one of the only competitive games where you're only allowed to coach before a single thing happens in the game. You can never at any point, there's no timeout. There's no, you know, the, I, I get, like uh, fucking equivalent to like being able to talk in freeze time. Like, oh, you know, guys, like remember late games comments. You can't do any of that. You actually have to hope that even though they're going to, it's going to be 20 minutes ago that they remember all the stuff you've told them about how to play. Like that's, that, it's not, the players just play at that point in time. That's why you're right. The coach can only set everything up. The players play at that point. They win the games. Yeah. And because there are so many different late game scenarios, you can, talk through your, with your players and to be fair it was very disappointing that bds couldn't close out many of these games last year and and truly they should have been better they should have but so, you know some players just are never going to take that leap to understanding the differences between solo queue and the actual professional game uh all right now we can talk about vitality we talk about vitality i mean this yeah. is a very exciting team and uh, honestly <laughs> dom and i talked about this on power spike but it was semi-unreasonable for us both to have Vitality at number one, but I admitted that in my ranking that this was just a flyer that I thought that they would be number one in the league because obviously we didn't know how Photon was going to be performing yes. at the top level. No one did. Uh, we on. didn't know how Bo was going to return to the professional scene, even though we know he is fundamentally a very solid mechanical player and one with also very good decision making, but it's again, it's different. How would this roster be in terms of communication? Uh, how was, how was perks going to be? Because even though he was very good last split, he is streaky at times. Yeah, and even, sure. yeah. even within vitality split, like they should not have beaten fanatic in that first game that they played and perks played oh, pretty miserably in that game. <laughs> perks has also had some good games, but the thing about perks is sometimes he's going to wander into a side lane and randomly die. And you just have to accept that that's part of the perks experience and the value he brings is so enormous in other ways. And he also, I've said this before, he doesn't usually die at bad times. Yeah. The risks he takes in overextending are typically not at times where him dying is going to lose the game. Yeah, they, he, his problem, which will be forever be his problem, but look, it's a winning style of play, so just fuck the haters and just stack the trophies, mate, is what you just said there. Sadly, is one area I always think in league will never be understood by that casuals. There are certain times in the game where even if you get caught on the side lane, it was worth it to draw attention, to bring a person... It, sometimes it is just worth... It's not... It's worth, like... Oh, it's just even. It wasn't bad. So essentially, the gamble's worth going for because if they don't get to you, then you just get a massive lead, don't you? So sometimes that'll look like, oh, he died. Like, those aren't all in... 
bits when you die. Sometimes that's acceptable to like not always perfectly leave the side lane or whatever. The other thing is as well, Monty, I feel like, because me and Dom have discussed this to death, so I don't have to do this on, on Best Down Lake Show, because obviously we're both massive like perk supporters, particularly because somehow this is mad, mate. It's like me last year with FaZe and CSGO. We keep just looking around like, so no one else has taken this guy as like really good, but I guess I'll just take him. I'll just buy the greatest Western player of all time at the low price. Cool. Oh, has he gone up again? <laughs> Well, some guys have to have all the luck, I guess, right? So we are, we're always famously getting flamed by people who think Perks is overrated. And what does my head in, Monty, is this. In the modern day, nephews don't come with, like, this is my style and what I prefer, and I just disagree with this. They have, for real, it's like SJWs, mate, they have the blank picket sign and a Sharpie, and they just wait till the game ends and write in whatever you did wrong. Like, it always does that. So what I hate is this. The same fans, Monty, who despise Chovy and Froggen and Larson, because all they do is farm and be up in CS, but don't win every other aspect of the game always. They hate Perks, whose probably only weakness is not always being that good in lane and then being the best at everything else. Well, bro, do you have to just actually be like the Lord himself coming down from the heavens to get any credit in League of Legends? Like, guys, I don't... If you're hating on Perks, I don't know what you're hating on at this point, unless you're just someone who's triggered by his banter. Like, surely you can see what he does in the game. I agree he's not going to smash him. He's never... In the same way as we said about Trophy, y'all are talking about a Trophy that never existed. He's always been this player. In the same way, like, <laughs> Perks has been this player as well. He never was Caps. That's why Caps is contrasted with Perks. Caps also might just smash the lane, 1v1 kill you of half a dozen times and just roam and just perks is more like you get through the lane in phase you help a player if you're on the right champion you win in the team fight your side lane if not like to me it was always all the intangibles and the side aspect and actually this is why I, why I see him as a captain figure he sort of knows what hole to plug on his team also I just from an objective standpoint he actually has been a very successful laner so far in the games that have happened. He is first in the league at gold difference at 10 minutes. He's way better than when he was in cloud nine, guys. He's about five times better than that. <laughs> He's first in the league at XP differential at 10 minutes. Remember in cloud nine, he was having trouble laning. Yep. Uh, he is first in the league uh, in CS per minute right now. And he is getting funneled like quite a few resources. Only VTO and Larson have a higher percentage of CS after 15 minutes than him. And yeah, he's played some lane bully champions like Azir, Tristana, Syndra. But also, you know, part of the value of perks is that he's been able to play certain champions such as Cassiopeia, for example, um, which isn't a meta champion right One of his now. old but, classics, though. Yeah, but is an old classic and also is good into Rise. Yep. So he's lost, he lost with the Tristana, but it was a good pick when he when he took it out and he had a huge CS per minute. It was over 10 in that game. And it was, I think, smart to play it into the Syndra. So you see his versatility and it is actually translating into pretty dominant lane performances at 10 minutes. He's he's top of the league when it comes to that. And you do have to consider the champion matchups, but part of perks is getting good champion matchups in the mid lane yes. because he's been a professional player for so long and is so smart about the game and has this kind of diversity of picks that he can pull out in order to win. He's also had some extremely good 2v2 synergy with Bo. It is night and day compared to self-made. Yep. It's night and day. They really seem to be meshing as a duo. And that, again, is helping his laning stats. So this team is going very well for a roster that I think we just have to admit probably can't communicate as well as they will be able to in the future. That's going to be in development because they have 
you know, a Chinese player, a Korean people player. People did and then say that. I don't know about Photon, but people did say that apparently Bo's English is like better than you'd expect. Or like maybe he was, because yeah. remember he did arrive like last split. So as far I'm as I know, sure, he, he worked on it a lot, I think. I think Vitality probably has him in English classes, right? If if I had Bo on the bench for the entire split, I would be spending some of his time so, learning English, right? They did say as well in the offseason, like, Perks even said they built the team around him. Like the aim was, this yep. guy has to be the jungler and we're going to build the whole squad around him. Yep. So, I mean, that's, that's, I think, obvious what you would do if you were the org, and we've yes. seen many orgs do that in the past. So I'm sure it's getting better. But my point is, even if Bo's English, it, it, it will get better still, right? And Photon's English will get better still. And Photon also has clutched out some games. You, I did not expect in Photon's first game, the one that they played against Fnatic, that he would be aggressively teleport flanking and looking for those angles like these are hallmarks of veteran top laners and he seems to be playing with a lot of confidence and they don't what i love about vitality and what i always loved about perks is they will always try to win the game like perks when they're down the hail mary play is coming you know it's coming but the joke <laughs> is monty spectacular I'll... Int, but that's the only way yes. they could win something oh no i'll give you the best uh, uh, reference point because you you know exactly this we even discussed it on a different scenario recently dude the best example ever of what i love about perks is play and all of esports has always been my favorite like decisive fact is as you say you don't let yourself just get gradually beaten because to me when you lose a game where you let yourself get choked out you also crush your own morale because what you do is you just see yourself like it becomes more and more hopeless it's like being in one of those movies where like you're in an elevator and the water's coming up to here and you're trying to breathe like yeah like it's the worst feeling ever to lose like that whereas here's the thing if you essentially at the end just go right i've got to swing wild haymakers or i lose the game every now and then you connect mate and you're gonna win a game and you're gonna think right at least it's part so because i would say for real if you were the perks is the opposite of kyle shanahan the coach of the niners because spoiler <laughs> this guy just threw an entire potential ring in the bin because his quarterback I couldn't throw. He refused to just switch up. And get, like the joke is, that's exactly the example of where, like, when the chips are down like that, you gamble. You increase the variance. You put in McCaffrey as the running back and I the mean, quarterback, and have him go the wildcat option all day long. But he didn't do that, did he? So Perks is the opposite. Like, Perks would have done that from like quarter two bit. You know, it's like being a boxer or a fighter, right? And if you're losing in points, and you know you're losing, and you're three or four rounds into the fight. You just have to go crazy because you have to win by knockout. That's yes. the only thing you can do. Absolutely. Like you've already lost on points, so you have to just go yep. nuts and try and get the KO. <laughs> Otherwise, you just guaranteed lose. And that's I did lame. also do that rant just as a side because I just like to also bag on Kyle Shannon because fucking hell, this guy. He's just because the, the problem I have with him, by the way, as an aside, is he's like. What people don't know is he's clearly very good, very good, yeah. but he clearly has a massive choking problem. It's absurd at this point in time. Like the guys might have given away three rings, mate. It's mental. Oh, all right. I, I think, I think Kyle Shanahan, he was on his fourth quarterback of the year. I don't think, you know, I don't know how much criticism he got to the NFC championship. No, game the way he played it though. Quarterback. That's why yeah, I'm saying he's simultaneously very good, but also a choker, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's a John Fox syndrome. If we're going for the other NFL there coach. You go. That's a pretty good one. Here's the problem. You have to actually know the Broncos deep law, but if you know, by the way, spoiler, the real missing ring is 20. 12 Broncos, but let's not get into yes. that. That hurts our feelings if you remember it also. <laughs> it hurts it, my feelings You're the reason I hate that more. This is a quick aside that we'll skip the NFL for doesn't care. <laughs> the worst thing about that is this. Have you ever seen the stats Joe Flacco had in that playoff run, Monty? 
They are like mm-hmm. better than like Joe Montana. He had like 11 yep. touchdowns, like zero ints. And you're like, oh, mate, it's like that guy wasn't even good. He was like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, but if you look at these stats, the joke is he's had like a better playoff run, not unironically, than like uh, Peyton Manning ever has, like Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's actually ridiculous how like overblown that one run is. Like, mental. It's actually ridiculous. But anyway, back to the back to the LEC. Because yeah, on vitality, <laughs> the key thing for me is this, Monty. If it, normally when teams start hot, I also worry like, right, you figured it out early. Now what happens when, look, I'm giving examples here, but they're not really like real examples. I'm giving, I, I, what if, you know, what if Fnatic gets it together? What if Koi starts to get, they don't, that'll close the gap. The joke is they actually in Vitality, mate, look like they could get even better. This actually looks like it could just be like one of the best Western teams ever for real. And it's all because of this bore factor. I mean, I've said this point to Dom. This kind of player should never be available for a team like Vitality. This is like absolutely some crazy, like, like the joke is like he may as well have just like fucking appeared from heaven and just like come down like I have come down to teach you the way to play. We never gonna get imports like this. This is bonkers that like he's on the Western team. <laughs> well, that's because that's because he was he was exiled like Lucifer from heaven from the LPL. <laughs> so it's better to, to rule the, L- with the devil, exactly. right? <laughs> it's better to rule the LEC than be a slave in the LPL. Basically, right? That's the that must be the line, right? <laughs> he had to commit the crime in order to to get exiled from the LPL. So that he could rule the LEC. <laughs> exactly. um, but also, I think what's interesting about Vitality is that while Photon and Bo have exceeded expectations, this is don't take this the wrong way if you're a Neon and Kaiser fan, but they could be better. They always right looked now. a little bit underwhelming. I have to say, you know what, Monty? Bearing in mind, everyone's going right up Vethio's ass right now. Tell you what, bear in mind, Neon's on a way better team. He's looked a bit underwhelming. And bear in mind, I know that story I dropped last week, that this could have been upset. That's not looking great at the moment. That's all I'm saying. Like, they're winning the games. That's all great. But they're not winning it because of Neon at the moment. And he was, by the way, in Misfits, he was carrying a lot of those fights. He was doing a really great job on Saver and all that. Zeri, like, he was, he was looking pretty good last split. Yeah, and it's, it's not to say that Neon has been a miserable player or anything of the type. It's just that... We know that Neon can be better than this, uh, and we know that Kaiser can be better than this. Yep. And so, if these two guys step up, this is a this is a world class team. I mean, this is a very potentially. Very this is one of the team. ones that you're going to take to Worlds and see how they do the run. Obviously, we're a million miles from that. We're just projecting forwards. But this would be one of the teams you'd love to see in a fucking round of eight of the Worlds Championship. Because remember, this is why I'm probably going to do a whole video on this. People don't get how momentous this bow angle is. Think about this. There might be a world in the quarterfinals of worlds, rewind this and put it in a clip if so, where you have the better jungler against an Asian team. What? Excuse me? Like, when's that ever happened in League of Legends? That could happen now because, spoiler, you have the Asian Asian jungler. That's the joke. The joke here is that you would have, it would have been a nightmare for you to face bow if you had, like, you know, a normal Western player. You're going to have bow. That, that could be OP as fuck, guys. I can, and also, I'll be real. The thing I always do love super mechanically strong junglers because they are just one when they work, they are the most OP game changer in League of Legends because you just win the early game, don't you? You just fuck the other jungler up. Like, there's so many, so many benefits can come from it. The problem is this as well. Like, let's be real. I'll throw this in there, Monty. I'll see what you think of this. Another problem I think a lot of people have now that boys in the league is he accelerates the game too much. And so, because he's so ahead and his team's ahead. Guys, most European junglers aren't that good at team fighting anyway. So by the time you get there, you're behind. Like, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. In fact, I've always said that's one of the things. Like, there's not that many junglers are like gods in team fight. It's not like some F- SOFM character who's just like absurdly good, you know. And Bo, Bo's graves in team fighting is oh, a, a bonkers, thing isn't of he? beauty. 
It's so good. And remember, he's all, <laughs> here's another update for you. You know how in the first week, it's like, it's almost like he's trying to show off all the cha- Dude, what champion doesn't he have? Because remember, you yeah. think from the score that they're just playing, you know, all his picks and all that. He's not like some heavy on one shot. He's playing everything. He's playing fucking Maokai. And he's doing it with different styles. Like he's yeah. actually playing to the strengths of the champion. It's not like he he takes one style and applies it to all champions. Yes. He's extremely smart about how he shifts up his style uh, to suit the champion's strengths, which I think is really good. I mean, he's he is a phenomenally talented player. That's so um, rare. Like, you know, I, look, I will take a little bit of credit. I do think I actually figured that premise out earlier because I actually did a video. I think it was in like Summer Mad, like season five or season six. Months, it, was a, it was inspired by Peanut, who you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was called the Mechanical Jungler Fallacy, which was that what we all did was we all thought if your mechanics are cracked, well, the rest of it is just figuring out decisions. So we all thought you must be the absolute best. But what you found is sometimes it was just that your mechanics are cracked, like early Peanut. And any game where you sort of talk it ahead and you fuck up, you just lost and those brain jugglers eat you alive in the wrong meta. So the, the key thing for me, again, is this on board. This guy looks like there's not even going to be a meta switch that's going to limit him. He's just going to be doing it all, mate. So I, I genuinely think, I know it's only BO1s, but I'm mega hyped for this player. Now the yeah. hype is justified, guys. It isn't just the offseason. I'm looking in solo queue. Dude, he's doing it in the actual games now and against everyone. And, and yes, they lost to, they lost to S, they, or they lost to SK, but I also think that was a trap game because they were playing G2 the next day. And we are going to have upsets when, when, when every week is a super week. Now, guys, uh, at least in the first stage of the uh, the LEC, which is one of the downsides, the very few downsides of the format. Yep. But also, as we've discussed, I actually don't think it's that bad because all you have to do is get top eight to get to yep. the best ofs where you're actually going to show your shit. So if you can't figure out how to get into the top eight, you can lose a game teams, a week. Like, basically, you, you don't have to really do all three games. Like you're saying, you can sort of yeah. do like the old things when you two games you through because that's the key thing, as you're saying. Remember, because of where SK was in the hierarchy of the league, I doubt they started with all the scrims. So I, I agree with you, Monty. You were almost certainly focused on G2. Like G2 and Vitality have been scrimming the whole time, I assume. Here's the thing. You can be have an under 50% win rate. You could be four and five, and you're still likely to make top eight yes. in this format. So it's really not terrible. No, no. Um, it's very forgiving. It, like, put it this way, yeah. if XL don't make it, it's all their own fault. They've got no one to blame. Yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I, exactly. Um, so it, it, I do think it was a bit of a trap game, and especially because the next day they came out and completely put G2 in the dumpster. Like, that was not a close game. That was that was complete dominance. Mate, that was that was a thing where one thing that I give props to Dom for because I like to like cross pollinate some of the analysis here. One thing he said on Best Damn League Show was after week one, obviously the Yike guy's scores were unbelievable, Monty. Like every bloody game, he had like eight or nine kills. Like what? You're like a rookie jungler in G two. But he did say if you ever if you watch the game, obviously he comes from a jungle background himself and he's still an active player, Dom. Right? But he said if you actually watched how he played though, it was it wasn't like Bo. He wasn't just like the solo cat. It's like he also did have setup. He did have like certain scenarios where he made a mistake, but he had good teammates. And I, all I say is this game showed you there are levels because mate both fucking gapped this guy he was like <laughs> welcome to the lec i've only started well, myself but welcome you know, i'm the daddy I, now. I, I i said this on power spike as well it's not that yike has not been a good player because he has he's been good. good but as i said last week on this show he has benefited enormously from a very good coaching staff doing set plays in the early yes. game 
And so he basically has had some games where it's been scripted. It's like, okay, we do this invade or, uh, you know, we have this pushing lane and you're going to take advantage of this. Like, here's your initial path and you're going to go ahead and make this gank. And because Dylan Falco and the coaching staff on G2 is very good. I think they're mega why, tailoring to the team's strengths and weaknesses. That's yeah. been one of his strengths the whole time, yeah. And and because like I feel like it's a smart thing to do as a coach if you have a rookie jungler to try and set up these things to ease them into professional play and give them advantages. And Yike has made mistakes when he has when when the script goes away because the script yes. has to go away at a certain point yes. in the game. And he has gotten picked off and he has died. And I think you see you really saw the difference, as you're saying, Thorin, with Bo and Yike within that game, because Bo's understanding of the professional game is obviously significantly better than he, he styled on him. Yes. Um, and <laughs> you have to have those games as a new player, right? So you, you to learn and, and improve. And I yeah. think Yike has been surprisingly good, but we also have to admit that the coaching staff and the game plans that G2 has had coming in have made him look probably better than he is. The only thing is, though, I did see like people would try, you know, when people do that awkward thing where they try and make combo alias names where you mix the two names. And I saw some fan on Reddit was like Boturks or something. That that sounds like Buttocks, though. So that's that's no one. You, you don't want a whack nickname when so because that would imply their cheeks. If they're mega, aren't they? They're not Boturks. So you got to come up with something else for that one. Come on, come on, guys. I'm you just, can do better than that. Come on. I'm just looking forward to the Vitality T1 where we have the boner matchup in the jungle. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how can you not roll go. with that That's one? It's inevitable. Okay. We are going to see That's that matchup good. probably in MSI, right? <laughs> We're going to get good. to see the 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 boner matchup. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, what 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 else we what else we got in in the league? Uh, we get, we talked about G2 a little bit. Oh, also, I, I have to say, you know, the other thing that is is understated about Yike is that Mickey X is fucking unreal right now. <laughs> so I, I think Mickey X He's an MVP is also helping significantly with, with Yike's performance. Do you think so? Um, the, of, of all the play, he should be like an MVP candidate right now, probably, yeah, yes. Mickey X. He's having some smurf games, isn't he? Yeah, both he and Hillisang have been quite good. Uh, you know, they're Mickey X was in those. Games, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> um, he wasn't in the dumps like Hillisang was True. towards the end of last year. Like Hillisang's summer playoffs and and world's performances were pretty bad. Yes, um, Mickey X wasn't his former self, but he also um, still you know, wasn't. Wasn't he was still pretty good on when yeah. he was on XL, but man, he really has had a resurgence. Looks great with Han Sama in the lane. Has looked great on the roams. Has been Sama also looks very good as well. Fair play. Yeah, he actually yep. has come back to form. Yeah, like now, he, like the spoiler is unlike Elsius. Now his Draven is a threat, of course. <laughs> yeah, because and he's, he's even over... and he's even tricking motherfuckers in a Patrick to think it's the champion because you couldn't play it like that. Mate, get the fuck off that champion! How dare you? How dare you run that bot lane with Patrick and Targarmus with the same champions as Han Sam and Mickey X? That was a disgrace. The joke is you made them look like gods <laughs> with the same exact <laughs> fucking picks. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mickey Mickey X, I think, is definitely MVP in the running early stages, obviously in this winter season, but he, he and Bo probably would be the the front runners at, at the current point in time. But yeah, he's, he's been really good. He's created a lot of pressure himself, makes it a lot easier for a player like Yike. So Yike has, Yike's been good, but he also has had significant help and that's totally fine. That's just what a good team will do. Right. Credit yes. to G2. By the uh, way, I, I agree with you at the end there. 
credit to G2, not just Jake himself, by the way, credit to him for coming in the league and playing that. But I agree with what you've said. They have actually done a job now where, like, the joke is, Dylan Falcourt is like the EU version of whatever the EG coaches staff were doing. How good is this guy with rookies? He had Flackhead yep. in the Simpsons, like, Stargarmus. Like, this guy with rookies, it's mental how many times I've seen him, like, cover the weakness. So you actually just start even over it. Like, I, I'll give it right now. I've overrated the fuck out of Targarmus, it appears. Whereas actually now the joke is maybe he was hiding that guy in lane. Like, bloody, I mean, I, the joke I thought was flacking was bad, but like, look, I don't think either is great, but fucking hell, like that guy looks night and day. Like the joke is, Dark yeah. Armas now looks like the greatest rip-off sale of all time. Like, oh, these idiots are paying this. Can you believe it? <laughs> like, it looks terrible, doesn't it? Dylan Falco, he looked I, awesome. I, I don't think Dark Armas is bad. He did have a Hillisong-esque Nautilus performance this last week where he just chain did, but I think this team is mental doomed. It they is are. What, uh, I think it's just It's not doomed. the players. It can't be when when you have players of that this, level, this it is, can't be that. This is like what happened with Nongshim Red in yes. LCK last yes. year, where you look at this roster and you wouldn't have said Nongshim Red is going to win LCK. That would should have been, have been like the sixth best team or something, or you're the fifth or something, right? They should have been a competitive playoff team yeah. with that roster. It wasn't like Excel where it's like, this could be the best team in the league. Yes. Just looking at it on paper. You wouldn't have said that about Nongshim Red, but somehow they just were miserably bad. Like worse. They, you know, the, the debate was, are they the worst team in the league? And this is a, uh, a an LCK season that had a lot of bad teams in it. Like, by the way, it was yeah. a pretty clear distinction between the, that the was one of the most like differentiated ones of all time. By the way, I've even just realized how mental this is because it's even more silly. So when I was saying, like, he saw like an EU version of Peter Don, it's like, wait a minute, Peter Don is from EU and it's still in Falco's from NA. Like, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> what the hell are we doing in this game? You know what I mean? Like, we need to repatriate exactly. Dylan exactly. The <laughs> no, I, I think I think G two will will continue to be a good team, especially yep. as Yank gets more experience. So I, I think from a European perspective, honestly, that both G two and um, and Vitality are very exciting teams to have a, at international tournaments. There is a universe this this year where, especially because MSI will take the top two teams now, where both of them go and both of them are reasonably competitive. Oh, that'll be fun as fuck. Remember. Guys, I told you before, and it, I, I, I am convinced I'm going to be right about this, Monty. Think about what Monty's setting up, because the problem before is I didn't have the names to put into the dry run, so you could see my point. You know what I said when we discussed the formats? I think at the end of the year, it's going to flip, and MSI will be considered a better tournament than Worlds, because it has oh, a yeah. double ill-in playoffs. Imagine this, guys. Imagine in the playoffs, you get to see Vitality and G2 play against top Asian teams, and there's a low and bracket. Likewise. And there's a low, and, and maybe even one good NA, and there's a lower bracket. Like, this is going to be what we all wanted the IPLs of the back. We're getting it back. It's actually going to be baller. I know everyone's not ready because they're still thinking, yeah, it's MSI. It isn't. This is actually going to be a baller tournament. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it, mate. The, the problem is, Thorin, is that as excited as I am about this, I do realize that. It's like I've just been put in prison for 10 years and now I'm just grateful to get out. There's a joke. You'll like this. There's a joke on one of Eddie, Eddie Murphy's stand-up specials where he says, it's like if you're a guy who's been in the desert starving and then someone just throws you like a salt, like a cracker. You're going to be like, mm, mm, what is that? Saltine? That's what I, it's like, it's just a cracker, but you are just like, you're just so desperate for sustenance. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like, it's like the fucking Shawshank Redemption. Dude, it was like when they revealed Swiss system for the major and the joke is, we're all done with Swiss system and CSGO. Because that's the same thing. That's like, right, to improve morale, we're only going to give you half beatings from now on. Like, oh, half beatings. That's, sort of that's like what getting Swiss system in world is like, like. Still not the best, yeah. is it, guys? Like, it's still bad. I, I do have to check myself because uh, you, you start, you, you know, you start. 
were talking about it, I'm like, oh, I am excited about that. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a second. It could have been like this all along. I know. <laughs> That's why you're also so hard. You know when fans always go, why are you all so negative about Riot? Because it's not like they're wrong, but they take two years. They take like eight years to become. So then you all want me to go like, well done. Well done to Riot. Eight, by the way, eight years implied you just made the wrong answer eight years in a row. You didn't, you didn't have to stick with one. You just every year, wrong again, wrong again. And at the end, you sort of get a C. And I'm supposed to put that on the fridge like, this is, this is art. Put this up, look at that. He could be someone one day. It's it's like you're under this a cat has the proper number of legs. Look, four. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's not even like it, it's not a simile. We are under an authoritarian government, right? We just are. That's that's it. They We're have literally under their fist. Their mass. I'll never I'll never get over how mad. Still to this day, thematically, the image is a giant red fist just smashing you with the fist. It looks like POV coming into your because that's the joke. Like I've always said, that was the POV of my life man that's the joke is that is like the 1984 line you want a vision of the future of league of legends esports imagine a giant red fist smashing you with the face over and over again forever they, 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 the jokes write themselves this has to be a simulation <laughs> but you know it's it's the same way that authoritarian governments work where they're like oh well uh so the prison, the work camp is not quite so bad now. Here's exactly. some bread. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly. like, yes, the government rules. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, I've actually, heard, I'll, I'll give you a random detail here. In If you ever read like Solzhenitsyn and stuff, in those like actual like gulags and stuff, sometimes even if you were like the like sort of traitor gulag prisoner who worked like with the guards, all you would get was like, the an collaborator. extra piece of potato, one piece extra in your stew. That's how bad the conditions were. And you were going like, this is totally worth that. You're like, <laughs> dang, that's how bad the scenario is when that becomes like, oh, I'm looking forward to that piece of potato today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I do have to check myself because it, it does feel like getting extra rations in the prison at times. <laughs> but I am excited about MSI. And I do legitimately think that this is a, this is a quite a good format. Uh, yeah. Even... Compared to other esports, I think it's actually one of the best formats in esports now. And remember, it's way less likely we get a flu. We get like the silly Mad Lion scenario. Because now you have to actually go in a fucking double limb bracket, mate. You've got to do some work to get to those MSI spots now. So like, that's going to be baller. It's not like going to be like Worlds where you have a worthless... In theory, it's going to be the two best teams go. Yeah, and I also like the way that they set it up for LEC because they had to find... Because their, their system, their format is now so different. So the winter champion is the second... Uh, is the second seed and the spring champion is the first seed. And Perfect. if they're the same team, then it goes to, I think there's like a, it's based on points um, that you win. So I think it's good. I think it's, I think it's a good format. I think they should just not ignore wins and losses and just qualify whoever had the least shortest game time. They should just be the MSI team. I mean, logically it's, it's the best way to determine which <laughs> why, team goes on. You know, Why even play MSI when we can have shortest game time, just wins the tournament from all reasons. You, you just get sent the trophy. Exactly. Just send it <laughs> off to you. <laughs> right, let's switch regions then. So you want to do LCS? Sure. Cause as you alluded to like spoiler, we were right. What do you know? We were right. Like, this is how I know y'all don't watch the LCK. Because one, all the Reddit comments are like, this Prince guy is carrying, like, against LCS, he was carrying against LCK, you morons. You look at one of the best ADCs in the world. And then two, they're also like, this Vickle guy, 
What are you talking about? We've all been watching them on KT the whole time. That's because they didn't. They never watched the the fans in the West. They only watched the T1 games. Yes. (laughs) Or the the Dom Juan games or whatever. And they never actually watched Live Sandbox or KT. So they wouldn't know what was going on within those rosters. Because these but guys yeah. just look like, like, look, the Vickle one, I wasn't as sure, will it work, will it not? Because, I mean, it's also important mid lane. It can be a coin toss. But, mate, what more could you ask of Prince? That looks perfect so far. It's looking awesome, isn't it? Like, the joke is he is just going to beat everyone. He just looks mega. <laughs> I felt bad for Spawn. I did as well, mate. He couldn't do anything <laughs> that game. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault, mate. I, the diff is just so enormous yeah. that, I, I mean... I don't think I don't think NA has has ever had a an import player in their prime like they have with Prince. It is truly an aberration. Maybe Bjergsen would be would be the like the early days. The of problem with him is he wasn't maybe as sick in Europe, you know. Like, yeah, I don't think there's ever been one who came over and was this good, like out of the gate. Yeah, he wasn't more. as good in he was still when he was on Copenhagen Wolves or whatever. Uh, yeah. you know, he wasn't the same level of dominance. When you looked at at LCK, there was a very, I, I mean, arguing that Prince was the second best AD carry behind Ruler was reasonable. It was a very that reasonable was, take. Yeah. <laughs> it was very reasonable. And honestly, he was also asked to do a lot more than Ruler was because... Oh, he was in the Uzi IC, if people don't know. He would just have to carry the whole game and he had all the resources. He would just do it. Yes, because yeah. Dove was such a weak... Like he, Dove was the weakest of the weak side top laners and they funneled so many resources. By, into by the way, Prince was like the highest economy player in the entire he league. Was. If you're going to call again, we need to do a whole class to explain to pros how to select their alias. Because if you're going to be a top laner, who's not that good, you're weak. You're not going to want one V1 kill the guy. You're probably going to lose later. Don't call yourself Dove, the universal symbol of peace. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, is that he's now in LPL. He swapped back to mid lane and he's looked really good in mid lane uh, in LPL. So he might he might actually be one of one of the better mid laners if the is trend continues within LPL. So that's funny to bring it back, though. <laughs> like, I, t- I mean, I, I, I can't remember on the one. Did you actually put AG as your number one team in any? Did you when we did those? Yes, rankings? I did. Yes, I did. Because I, I thought. Yeah, go on. I, I just thought it would take some time uh, for this roster. Like, EG retained most of their yes. identity, right? Yes, they made... The, the, the argument was this. Okay, EG made a swap from someday, you know, to someday from Impact. That's kind of the same. Like, they, they have a similar play style. Maybe it's a little bit worse, but they made a pretty significant upgrade at AD Carry with FBI. And so their play style should be basically the yes. same. And they were on the up and up, obviously, coming off of last year. And I thought it would take FlyQuest just a little bit longer to get good. Also, I knew that um, they weren't going to have uh, Isla for week one. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, and so I thought, because the thing was, what are the standings going to be at the end of spring? Right, which is that I thought EG would take first place, but uh, that obviously hasn't happened. EG mega through a game, um, and to bring it right back, of, though, 
Like this is the just to finish the FlyQuest thing. This is why I actually do. I had FlyQuest as my number one team because just on paper I thought like, man, if this works, this roster is bonkers. Like people again, because I knew the Westerners don't know. They don't even know what's coming. Man, they just think they think this is like the Ruby one in LEC. Like wow, you've got like just a just a token Korean who is he good? Is he not? Like we know this. We know these guys are good. We've already seen it. And the genius of that roster, obviously, as everyone points out, is the only non-Korean is speaker. Like that's why I saw LS made that joke when um. Team Liquid played against FlyQuest. LS just said, like, lol, Speaker is the only non-Korean in this game. It was like him and then nine Koreans were in the match. So the point I was going to make was, I had a similar thing in Europe, money. It's why I had Koi above Vitality. It's like the Vitality pieces on paper should be the best, but will they come together? Koi's got most of the old... It's basically the same scenario, just change the top laner. But if you look at it now, mate, FlyQuest, as you say, they are going to be fun at MSI if they keep this up. They look really good. They're far away the best to me. You know, the other question I had was clearly Vikla was going to demand a certain amount of resources on this roster, even though we knew Impact probably wouldn't. Um, and so is Prince going to be able to perform with a smaller sliver yes. of the pie? And the answer so far is yes, like Looking very great. much yes. <laughs> He's been really, really good. And, but- and remember this as well. Everyone's going to forget this detail because they're focusing on the stars. Dude, everyone flamed the fuck out of that winsome guy last year. By the way, justifiably so in the spring. He did look terrible. He broke down. Most people would say, like, he should never be an LCS again. It's just fine now. It's not even a problem anymore. They no, well, he's out. not even supposed to be the starter. So, I mean. No, but he's doing nice. okay though. It's not terrible, is he? Yeah, and it's also, I'm sure it's a big relief for the FlyQuest management and coaching staff that they know that if Isla isn't good, they have Winsome as a backup. Like, they have redundancy. The reason why LS in the first place had Winsome in Cloud9 is because he can speak Korean, right? So that's like the mad upside you get from that. Imagine your sub player can just speak Korean when you have all these Koreans on the team. That's a pretty... By the way, Papa Smith, he's killed that angle too if he's the one who got him. Like, what a great backup to pick. Yeah. Um, So... I mean, really good job by uh, by the the FlyQuest management for sure. Uh, this team they use their resources, I think, very effectively, knowing that they were finally going to have money. And I've talked about this before with FlyQuest, but FlyQuest was a team that was well GM before uh, by by uh, what, what's his ID Swagasaurus Nick Nick um, yes. fan. Um, because they were they were like making finals with they finished second in that like online era if you remember yeah <laughs> yeah yeah with like garbage money basically so and they like recycled they were... players remember it was like Paul Belter and fucking Wilder I don't know if Wilder <laughs> off the top of it. I think it was I think it was like all the recycled players wasn't it yep so and then obviously Papa Smithy had more resources yep. and made three finals in a row and won one so the combination of of these factors has been has been really effective and then we also said this but it bears repeating again how the fuck did this roster get song the reigning world championship coach who by the way had to do an insane job of coaching to take that garbage ass D- DRX team to a world title i mean he clearly has a large degree of responsibility for the the performance of that roster at Worlds, um, and yeah, he's uh, he randomly is an NA now. I can't believe that LCK let him go. I can't believe he is an NLPL. It's unbelievable that he is an NA again. So, mate, this guy must have. <laughs> 
some, he must have done some mad like soul searching that he's willing to come back to any with the way it went. Because remember, he joined and it just went downhill. To, like, team went, every team he was on, it got worse almost. Like, mate, I, I'm, I'm actually amazed he came back because, yeah, it's looking awesome. Like, the joke is, how did you get the world? Cha- There's another thing, you got the world champion coach in LCS. Why? You know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> how is this, how is that? I mean, that's just a, that's a very smart pickup. They, they just knew the players that were going to be available. And then they saw Song just didn't have a team, I guess, and just swooped in and took it. They, they, and have- remember, Let's be real. Capitalized on this situation. Let's be real. It's not like FlyQuest outbids an LPL team. So someone else could have had this guy if they wanted him. Like someone came with millions. I'm sure he has to say yes eventually. Anyway, right. Here's the thing about you. I forgot before we switch regions, I wanted to do like a quick five minute break. So what I'll just say is this. You know, in the past, one area we always meme about is we did a terrible job, like, setting up the stuff around there. Because basically what me and you did is we were people whose craft was our content, like, knowing the game, how to talk, how to present it. So because we spent all the years building it up, we didn't do a very good job, unfortunately, setting up things like having ad reads, having, like, proper sponsorship. Having so one thing we've done now <coughs> is you can actually be a Twitch sub, right? You can, you can subscribe to this channel that we're on now. And that's another great way, by the way, if you want to support this channel, you want to support the content, if you like watching it live, there's a great feature to use. So I would just say, if you're up for it, we would appreciate it. Now let's do a yep. quick break and we'll be back and then we'll talk more LCS and then we'll do some LCK as well. Yes. Oh, oh, but the one other thing I have to say on the FlyQuest one, we said it also when the roster was made, but it is the other part that I will focus on Papa Smithy and give him mad props here. Not only in 100 Thieves did he do sort of good jobs balancing the team out. I know it shouldn't be like you get a medal for this, but the LCS is so bad at GMing. You do get a medal for signing carry mid lane at ADC and just put impact as your top lane. I know the others are like, how does he figure it out? Like, look, it, it, essentially you are in the dunce class, but you've aced it, mate. Like you haven't, you've done everything you could do because that's the perfect player in it. In, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and thank you guys for the Twitch subs. Uh, we yeah, can't, great. we can't do the shout outs because obviously it ruins the VOD. Uh, and the podcast, which most, you know, 90% of people uh, watch. So we do appreciate the live stuff, though. Just know that in our hearts, we do appreciate it, even if we can't give you the the shout outs that you guys would normally receive on on the stream. Um, So thank you. And we will introduce new ways for you to support us. And we do appreciate it when you guys do it, especially because as we've talked about in many, many different podcasts, particularly the Four Horsemen, the biggest problem with esports is that the fans are not actually financially contributing to the health of the scene. You guys get everything for free and then you never pay. F- you guys, what you guys do is you go to Tyler One and you just chuck millions of dollars at him and you won't spend a single Then you go, dime. why does the LCS suck, though? <laughs> I know it's mad, isn't it? It's true, it's true. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys will literally simp for streamers, but you will not fucking pay yes. a single cent to esports content. We have given you guys like a decade of free-ass shit, so thank you for, for those yeah, of thanks. you who, who want to support us. It's like what Richard um, says, because Richard also knows now you just have to say this stuff. Like you can't just be too cool for school anymore. Those days have passed. What Richard says is he goes, go on, just give me the Twitch Prime. It's free. And you and he says, you were only going to give it to Pokemon anyway. It's like, <laughs> this is like the perfect <laughs> line. One like, second of her attention. <laughs> so fair play. And the joke is, but, like, yeah, you're not even going to get read out on her stream either. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, please notice me, Pokemon. But, but also, I mean, 
come come on guys like we provide you so much entertainment hours and hours like we do appreciate it when you actually come back and i love you guys because the the esports attitude i love the europeans they're like i just i can't deal with the lcs it just has so many ads that just the the ads are in the game it's the it's the red bull power play and you know the bud light ace and i'm like motherfuckers if you paid money for this product we wouldn't have to have all these ads in the game. So you are shooting yourselves in the foot by not supporting esports financially. You guys will pay $20 a month for Netflix, but you'll watch twice as much esports as you watch Netflix. You're like, why would I pay for that? Come on, get your shit together. Like the real joke, um, if you want to make it a mad indictment, goes like this, because you've got to frame it to look ridiculous, Monty. They'll pay for like Netflix and stuff like that. And if they were to put a show like Players on Netflix about a fake version of the LCS, you would watch it and in a sense pay for it through the scope. But you wouldn't pay for the real LCS. That it's yeah, all based on their fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys bought Paramount Plus to watch exactly. Players, yeah. but you will not spend any money Actually, the joke is I don't think anybody watched players because they put Not it on days. the LCS YouTube for free and also it has no views. So yes. I, I don't think that many people watched it. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, thank you. You guys have been subbing a lot in the chat. Really appreciate that. Um, and that support does go a long way. And if you guys don't want to directly support this, I'm just going to put this on the table for you. Our shows are, we're, we're in a lot of different conversations for sales. We are going to start to have sponsors, more sponsors on these shows soon, as soon as we start to close that. One of the very, 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 very best things that you can do is actually buy from our sponsors and show that our fans are willing to support them. Obviously, so if, we, if you want the product, like don't do it. Obviously, if you yeah. want, only if you want the, but, but, if you've been but it's a great way you can help these yes. things. Yes. If, if you have been thinking about buying some of these things anyway, and you and you're like waffling on the fence, it is incredibly helpful if you guys purchase those products. Probably the like single sole thing helpful. that will actually help us the most, yes. Yes, so if you if you love independent, non-developer controlled esports coverage, unfiltered commentary, that is how you guys can help, truly. So we will mention that when we start to have some of these sponsors, which will be soon. Um, and we do have some exciting conversations and we want to also, have sponsors where you guys like the product so we're, we're keeping that in mind as well and stuff that we like ourselves um so there you go we know that you is. guys are older too you guys are sitting on these fucking six-figure computer programming salaries like pony up let's go right the team i want to talk about now listen they made the team to get this attention they either win or it has to be about being talked about it's got to be 100 thieves hasn't it that's the one everyone was waiting for that's the one everyone's hyped for double lifts back sort of trash talking <laughs> uh yeah i mean they did get they did get dumpstered in their in their first match so but at the same time double lift looked really good against immortals i don't yep. know what that means that he puts tactical in the trash can to me that means nothing tactical has been in the trash can for his entire career i was a tactical hater back when he was on team liquid when people thought he was oh. good <laughs> did you see i don't know I, obviously i don't expect you to see every tweet but i actually did a tweet today because i was reading around and it reminded me of a quote i'd forgotten which was when core jj had tactical there was an interview where he once meant or like some context where he once said that tacticals like the next ruler 
And all I said in my tweet was, that might be, for real, the most inappropriate comparison or reference ever in League of Legends history. Because you took Ruler... The mo- that's the point. You took Ruler, <laughs> the best ever, play the absolute limit of the edge of the damage curve, and don't take much damage. Use maximum to play around your team. Don't even require all the Uzi I resources, but still always be relevant in a team. But you took the best possible safe ADC, but still really good, and you compared him to Tactical, who is like a shit Jackie Lodge inting into fights. And <laughs> was notoriously bad at Inti, in fact. Like, that is, listen, Core J. I know you are a multiple-time MVP, world champion, but you'll just be saying stuff for the sake of saying stuff, bro. Like, listen, say that shit to him in the locker room. Tell him those lies. <laughs> Don't lie to my face, motherfucker. That's egregious. That's yeah, you are aware. Remember, he even was the one with Ruler who won Worlds. Like, how are you going to do Ruler like that, homie? This is Ruler. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, people have eyes and can make decisions for themselves and make judgments about about tacticals play. Um, but tactical side, because Immortals was very disappointing. We had another classic right across the board. We, we had another classic, uh, you know, Immortals performance versus TSM where it's like they could have won that game and then just decided not to, uh, which was the story of Immortals versus yep. TSM last year. So they haven't gotten that out of their system, despite the fact that they changed three of their players. Um, but when we come back to 100 Thieves, obviously their debut against Cloud9 was pretty miserable. I do think that their composition was just fundamentally unplayable, but holy moly. In what moly. context? What was the You're, most egregious part here? Uh, I don't think that you can play. I mean, the Azir's a bit wild, but... <laughs> <laughs> the Azir support was... Look, they tried something. I did look at... I did look at Busio's, uh, Busio's performance within the, uh within the context of solo queue and he had been practicing it. So it was clearly, it was clearly something that they had prepared and it was kind of a flyer to see if they could outmatch the, the Ash Heimerdinger lane. But I also think like, what do you do with this team composition? So you have this Varus, right? So first off, I don't know why Doublelift didn't take cleanse in this game. He literally is playing into an Ash lane and he doesn't take cleanse. To me, that was insane and really came back to bite him later. I also think that who is supposed to peel for double lift? They basically, their only form of peel is an Azir ult, which you get one time. And you're playing into Wukong, Kasante, Akali. Like, good fucking luck. Good fucking luck with one Azir ult peeling for this Varus. And then thirdly, you are playing a triple melee topside. You're playing Silas, Viego, and Jax into Ashheimer. How do you stop that? If they're if if Cloud9 is first on an objective and they're set up, how do you how do you walk into that? You can't. Um, so I think the composition was just bad. Fudge obviously just put put tenacity into the grave as well in the top lane. He had an individual. This is you, when you look at Cassante's strengths. When we talk about how Kazande is a good champion and you see the strengths here because Fudge was playing it in skirmishes the whole time. The way Fudge, he played Kazante very well. The way he was forcing fights was by breaking them up, getting into the jungle and like 2v2ing people. He wasn't really fighting as part of team fights for a lot of this game. And that's the way that Kazante really shines. So he does look OP in that situation because here's the thing, guys, a, a good champion in League of Legends should look OP when yes. they're played properly right? (laughs) That's the whole thing about styles and champions being able to do different things well, is if you're maximizing the value of that champion, it should look very good. Um, Now, Cassante's probably you probably need some nerves. Probably still over tuned, but it's a new champion. What do you expect? You know, we all know how it goes. We all know how it goes. Um, 
But I do think that I like his design at a fundamental level. And I do think that even in his perhaps overtuned state right now, he does have clear strengths of, strength and weaknesses. The problem um, I have is this, Monty, is from looking at 100 Thieves so far, right? Yes, it's only two games, isn't it? But the problem is the win is against the Immortals who looked absolutely abhorrently bad. So the problem is right now, I don't have that many like big facts. Like, spoiler, I thought Double would be good. I thought he'd get himself back in the form. I don't know about Bjergsen yet. He just looks a bit like average. <laughs> dude. That's not to dude, do too much. I, I, have to, I, I have to talk about Bjergsen in Go his on, first game it. versus Cloud9. First off, you're up against Diplex, where the Scrimbucks weren't very good on Diplex. I will say Diplex has looked a lot better than I thought based on what I was hearing. Um, and so that's a great sign for cloud nine and fudge looks more comfortable in the top lane than he did when he, uh, right after he transitioned back, uh, into top lane from mid last split, but which was to be expected, but Bjergsen, man, holy shit. I never want to watch this guy play Silas again. It, it's not only the fact that he, to play Silas well, you really have to play on the limit and around your kind of sustain in team fights and, and your rep your repetitive crowd control. Like you have to go in there and you really have to be aggressive. But it's also, I can't believe his build, man. Rod of Ages into Banshee's Veil Zonias. This is the biggest coward build I the have seen of all time <laughs> on Silas. I'm just like, it's very rare where I think you can justify both a Banshee's Veil and a Zonia's Hourglass at the same time. But by God, it's just, it's so depressing to, to watch this. Um, and I guess we'll see what 100 Thieves can do. I do expect 100 Thieves to be a top five team in this league just because they will wait for other teams to throw as you know, Bjergsen always well, I was going to get to. The problem I have with the, obviously, the two-game sample size I'm working on here is I thought on paper they should be like, you know, fourth. I had them fourth, I think, after obviously like FlyQuest, Cloud9, um, I think, or EG. EG. I think those are my three. I think I had Cloud9, EG the other round. Uh, or maybe I actually had 100 Thieves maybe one above Cloud9. I can't remember which way. Or Liquid as well. I mean, yeah. There's The problem is, though, right now, they've got a lot of work if they want to actually contend for the title. I really do think that. But the way well, it started out. Well, well, Thorin, they're going to be three and one at the end of this next week. And then we're going to have to have this conversation about how fans are massively overrating them because they play Dignitas and TSM. Oh, you know, the worst part is as well. People are going to make that TSM like some huge thing because of double lifting Bjergsen. Yeah, it's like that TSM, that's only the joke is look at the players. That's not even TSM, is it? Like <laughs> TSM isn't TSM anymore, boys. It's just a team. Well, now. people people are also going to overrate that game if they win because yeah. they think TSM is a is a good team. When they beat Immortals in a game that Immortals kind of threw, and then also Team Liquid threw. <laughs> I will say, though, I did think, because I saw someone on Reddit made this joke, and it was a banger, so I'll give them credit. When they beat Team Liquid, there was that fucking joke someone made where they said that, like, Maple just sees, like, all the Korean flags in the server, and he activates, like, as though he's, like, the Winter Soldier or something, you know? Because, you know, famously, he's just, like, twice as good against Koreans when he's on Flash Rolls, or he, like, it was just inexplicable. too. Boogie yeah, true. Was true. <laughs> Not, oh, it was. They, they were on a different version, but they were both on Flash right. Wars. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, it is sort of true as well. Because like this was like a classic. Korean teams. This was like a classic Maple performance. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, obviously, the other meme everyone knows is 
<laughs> Pure shit brother. I did tell you, you are sort of a fraudulent world champion coming over this way. Because again, remember, the logic should be, Monty, this should be the LCS version of Boar. He should just waltz in, world champion, dumps for everyone. He did that tweet. <laughs> no, it wasn't a tweet. It was an interview where it was like, if I lose this game, I will retire. And I even By said way, before the game over, like, well, it's a shame his career only lasts like two how- games. But like, what? <laughs> what's, so, what's so insane about that quote from Pioshik is my guy. You spent the entire year getting dumpstered by Vicklin and Prince last year. It's you wild. spent the whole year getting yep. dumpstered. Now, did you win in the gauntlet for the last place at World Would It Mattered? By God, you did. Congratulations. But surely, the point is, surely, you should know how good these guys are. You yes. should know. Yes. <laughs> so and why also, would you even say that? <laughs> here's the thing for me. That just shows that, because here's the thing. The good thing about Pioshik is he is a character. He will t- trash talk and he will be funny and do things. But he, essentially, like, yeah, like his trash talk game, it's like, mate, you aren't the player that that fits, though. You know what? I've always said this about Doublelift. Like, it worked with Doublelift because he was an amazing player. Like, if that had been tactical saying the same shit, it ain't cool. It just doesn't work. So the problem I have as well, I have to say about that move as well for me with Pioshik is the other thing he said in the same interview, the way he said that if he lost to this, if he lost to Team Liquid, uh, TSM, he would retire or was it FlyQuest, whichever one it was, right? Was FlyQuest, sorry. When he said that, what was hilarious was he also had a line where he said something like he couldn't like stoop down to that level. And it's like, bro, you just are the, you're the reigning world champion of League of Legends and you've just joined LCS. You've already stepped down. That's why my joke on Twitter was your only goal now is to be the prettiest Denny's waitress. You used to be like in Vogue magazine by that analogy and on the catwalk. Now you're in Denny's. In it. So. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, obviously TL, yeah. let's talk about them. TL's in fucking trouble, mate. It's like I told you I wasn't high on this roster. Because I remember th- saying the same thing to you, Monty. Spoiler, Doublelift and Bjergsen did set the precedent for this. But if you are going to pick two positions to win in LCS, it is mid and ADC, and that's where your weakest players are. Not totally weakest. Like I heard they got all I hear all these great scrimbook fucking stories. Like, they've got promise, like they should be going. I haven't seen it yet though, mate. This team looked really bad. I I, I... I've been really underwhelmed by Harry in particular. I not to say that you have huge expectations out out of a rookie, but he is he has done very little. Uh he's frequently in the wrong place on the map. They don't seem to have their lane assignments together as a team. So he just has you know he'll wander off into bot lane when his team needs him at an objective. Um, he has had some of the like lowest damage per minute in the league. Um, you know, he, he really hasn't done very much and I struggle to see how this roster is going to be competitive for a title with a mid laner this week. It is very, very hard to be a good team. And I think even to make worlds, if he doesn't improve massively. And I'll chuck this in there. I'll do that classic line where they go, and I'll say that to say this, whatever the comedians always say, right? Here's the line, Monty. The other reason why they're in big, big trouble, aside from the fact that Pioshik was never this super hard carry dominant jungler you all think he is. He never was, you idiots. Like, as Monty said, he even had one of the most scoffed years of his career. The very year he won the World Championship last year, it's just it ended great, didn't it? And even in World Spoiler, just look at how they drafted. It's like they even knew he was a liability. He started just doing weird shit. Here's my problem. We haven't even said the bloody name Summit yet. Tell you what, Summit, listen, I don't like to be rude, but you aren't welcome. Like, 
if you're going to play like this, fuck off. Go back to I, go to the LPL, <laughs> go to the LCK. Like the the way you played is atrocious. Remember, we're all talking about like Jax is cracked as fuck, mate. Impact just handled you. That wasn't even a problem we were talking about. It wasn't any concern. And then that well, that Nar game. Listen, we all make fun of Armut for being back. You can fuck right off, mate. Fuck right <laughs> off. He should remember. He should be smurfing on these. All right. So to be to be fair, uh, GP is a very good matchup into Jax, and Impact pulling that out was, I think, just good drafting from from FlyQuest. But yes, I, I think the problem with Summit is that he had an incredible high on Cloud Nine, and but he left as an MVP, basically sabotaging Cloud9 in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. He was so mental boomed that he he basically threw Cloud9's spring playoff chances away. And he played abysmally. And honestly, if if just purely from a management perspective... The joke is, the way the playoffs went, Monty, was like that scene at the beginning of The Dark Knight Rises. And some of it was just like... Like, he was actually... He, he attached the plane... He took all things out and he was going to crash the plane. And then he was like, he turned to Berserker. He was like, they'll need one of us in the fire, brother. And that's left him behind. And then it's fucking, <laughs> he, just, he exited the whole region, didn't he? Like straight, the joke is he was gone before playoffs even ended. I heard or something mad like that, you know. It was, and, it was egregious. I guess that Summit signed up for something different than he got uh, because yeah, of, of the whole LS fiasco within Cloud9 yes. and the the, you know, players swapping roles and everything like that. And he didn't get it, which is tilting. But at the same time, if I'm just the, the team liquid management and I'm thinking to myself, well, I am going to be playing two rookies at carry positions. Is there a possibility that this scenario might trigger a level of tilt in Summit? Because again, he's walking into an unknown situation and we know how he behaves when he doesn't like what's going on. It's the joke. I'm good. Don't worry, Monty. I know I promised, but I will do this video. This is another example because here's what's egregious, Monty. This is what I refuse to accept. Remember, we are talking about FlyQuest, right? Not Team Liquid. Team Liquid has an enormous amount of money, even in this limited year. So this is another example of where if you're Team Liquid, why don't you get Impact back to run this fucking team? Do you hear what I just said about FlyQuest, why they did it and got Impact? The joke is, you've done it again. Summit is the new Hooney, and you've chosen Neo Hooney over fucking Impact. Like It's never going to be the right choice in LCS, is it? Have we learned nothing? Have we learned nothing? Also, Impact is immortal. He will he'll never die. And somehow he has, like, I don't know what he's done, but he has extended his, like... His raw consistency, it will just never end. It's like, it's insane, and it? it's too insane, mate. And, and if if we have to be honest, the GMing and management around Team Liquid has just been spectacularly bad. It has. For ever since they they stopped their, their run of titles. I'll tell um, you the move that killed it. It was when they traded X Smithy for Broxer, and it's just been downhill ever since. <laughs> Yeah, is. that's true. Because remember, these were like during this time, Kodjic would still be like winning MVP and stuff. And they couldn't, they could never win a title. And now they look what they've ended up with now. Like the joke is they went from like, they had like a dynasty. Like guys, they, not only did they win the top four titles, they could have yeah. kept winning after double if they'd done it right. They had some amazing pieces. They never won. And now they've sort of downgraded, downgraded. And then where are they now? Dude, they're a mid-table team. Like this team looks in trouble. Yeah, and it, and they have no identity, and it doesn't look like they're going to get an identity anytime soon yep. because the veteran players 
are not providing that identity and the the rookie players are not at a point in their careers where they're able to do the carry performances. Feels like a and bit they have feels no like a bit much them. Monty to ask Core JJ to somehow 1v9 on Nami. Like not really a 1v9 <laughs> champ, is it? It's not Pike or something, is it, boys? Like, well, you know. also also they did take Marin as their head coach, a guy oh, who yes. has literally never coached before. Um I, and and just hasn't even been involved in the professional scene. You know, he, he hasn't even been involved in the professional scene. Yeah, but here's the scene, problem. What, you know what I think? I think at this point in time, I know what's going on, Monty. I it, It's sad because I always said, you know this, way back in the day when it was cursed, I always said I was actually always impressed by Steve Ahanset. The fact that, like, as a GM and an owner, he would always go for big names. Because I always thought, like, if you do that, and by the way, I was right in the end, if you do that, eventually, it's like in, you know this, it's like in the NBA or the NFL or the English Premier League, if you just have way more money than everyone and you stack the best players that you see with your eye test from other teams, eventually you can't be bad. You almost have to be at least a contender because you're gonna because you also have the luxury no one else has. You don't even have to commit to that play. You can fire him and get another superstar next year. So eventually you're gonna gamble and get the right players. The problem I have is this. Well, the ones that he's missed on, if you look, is where he got it wasn't that the player was actually playing like amazing. He just bought the hype of the red of like almost the Reddit narrative. So if you think about it, the Broxer one's egregious as fuck. Everyone in Europe, you can go back when I used to do the Elitist United show, we'd broken Brox down with every analyst a million times over. Everyone agreed he wasn't a top jungler. And you sign him for what was a super team in L Team Liquid instead of X Smithy. That's egregious. Then you look at some of the other ones over the years. It's like by the end, you're just signing people off like years ago when they were good. Like, why are you signing Summit? Cloud9 just got rid of that nightmare. You're bringing him back. Marin, guys, he won Worlds as a player in Season 5. That was... How many years? Eight years ago. Seven to eight years ago. Like, what have you done for me lately, bro? Like, you know what I mean? How have we ended well, up with this team? The thing is, is that he's never coached before, which is what we said coming into... This was our this was our criticism of him. was like, we don't know how good he is going to be as a coach, Right. We don't know how good he's going to be. And we also, I know he's been streaming and shit, but he hasn't been a part of a professional team since 2018. That was five years ago. Okay. And also, so, shout out for replacing Bjerg, Jensen with Bjergsen. So that worked out, didn't it? <laughs> that was maybe the, the worst mistake. That was glorious that was one, I know. <laughs> and, and by the way, there, there also isn't an excuse because Team Liquid has had the highest budget. And yep. this, this information is very easy to get, guys, because here's what LCS does. They literally send a document to all of the teams that includes all of the salaries of the team. So every team knows what any other team is spending. Every other team is spending. So this information gets out super easily. Like obviously Travis does it a lot. Travis is mean, just... rude. I don't know why. Why, why would <laughs> I even ask that question on somebody inside our story? It's, I know it's, it's, it's inevitable. That you Redundant will, so question. Yeah. I know. You what may. if he said no? Would I just be like, well, the whole dynamics ruined now, Monty? Well, here's the thing that I'm going to say that's rude is what you were just talking about there. Oh, fuck, what did you just say a second ago? The salaries. The salary document. I will say, Travis, I'm going to call you out on this one, homie. The first time you did it, I think it was at the end of season eight or during season nine or something, when he did that feature where he takes it, Monty, and he would do like, he wouldn't tell you the salaries, but he'd tell you per win. So you could sort of, if you understood like maths and process, you could sort of figure out like, oh yeah, Cloud9 and TL must be doing a good, and TL must have spent the money. You could sort of figure it out, right? But I'll just say this. I think the reason he did that and kept doing it it's because he just didn't want to leak the info and get teams get upset with him. You're a journalist and your whole career is the LCS. If you have that <laughs> info, either shut the fuck up or give us it. Why can't we know? 
Like, for example, why is it Monty that has to drop that like seven million dollars worth? Why is he doing? He's not even a bloody journalist. <laughs> no, no, you know what I mean though. Like, We're rounding up to seven. <laughs> if you're Travis, that that is your beat, mate. Like, you don't because my problem is this, and people know specifically Team Liquid was one of the ones back in the day with that whole thing where he went to fucking Hawaii or whatever. It was in like a hot tub with them all. That is insane, by the way, as a journalist who's independently covering that fucking region. That's in, that would be considered so beyond the pale in a real sport, like an NFL journalist just being there in a hot tub with all the players and then he magically doesn't reveal secret stuff because that's what I get the vibe of. Well, there was someone else I'd go, maybe there's some reason. This just sounds like you're scared you'll ruin your like inter-team relationships. You won't get your interviews or something because if you have that info, you're not obliged to, but I think it'd be cool to put it out there. And it, I've always said this, Travis chooses to limit himself. He could be one of the best journalists in the LCS. There's not many people even left nowadays. Remember, Riot's almost killed the fucking journalism scene there like, and there's no websites anymore. So th Travis could be much better than he is. So I, I'm just a little bit upset in that sense. I wish he'd just fucking come out with some info and drop, drop a bomb every now and then. Just drop a bomb yep. every now and then, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and I think he doesn't want to, you know, he obviously doesn't want to do that because his entire lifeblood is his relationship with Riot and his relationship with the teams because yep. nobody wants to watch content that consists only of Travis Coward. <laughs> That's why, unironically, by the way, I never, I never flamed him for this. I always thought it was clever that he would find people who were smaller content creators. Dude, he's more savage than I am. I would just invite them on my show as a guest. He would just have them make the content and put it on his channel. It's like, look, to be fair, you weren't going to do that. So it's a great business move. You did well. And he scouted some pretty good people. He got Ovaly and all yep. those. He's got some pretty good talents over the years. He had the what was what was the name of the guy who does the stats. Uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, the magic or whatever his name was. Yeah, who runs Oracle? Yeah, yeah, that guy doing like a feature yep. where it was like he broke down like stats. Yeah, it's a good angle. Yeah, it's a good concept. Yeah. It's not that his it's not that his current content sucks, but Hotline League does suck. Um, but Hotline League, the, other... <laughs> the thing I hear about that show, I'll tell you very quickly. It's not going to be a big rant. It's very quickly because I'll pass it to you. And I'll see what you think. Obviously, you tried to be on the show once. The problem with that show <laughs> is this: it is a disingenuous premise because it pretends to be a sports call-in show. Now, if you know anything, you'll know this, Monty. If you want to see a classic movie that's a mega underrated one, there's one called Talk Radio from like the eighties, which is a guy who's like a shock jock, and someone calls in and. Like, I won't spoil the plot. It's a, it's a really thrilling movie, though. It's like one like, like a character-driven performance. The point of talk radio is, one, first of all, the main host is nearly always a shock talk, giving mad opinions. You've, you've, you've killed it there, Travis. And your co-host on the show is the guy whose whole shtick is, I don't do hot takes. I take hot takes apart. So already, you haven't given a great groundswell. And then the whole point of your hot take is it encourages the fan to call in and go, yeah, and I also think Bjergsen's never going to make it. And you give the hot, and that's why the fans are loving it. Cause it's like, that, you know, famously, like Monday morning quarterbacking in it. It's like, he should be fired. Get him out the game. Like, that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear like there's a really big drama but let's very carefully not talk about it like oh well, bloody hell. that's what i'm here for i'm here for that the, the the hot takes and and having a shock jock as a host serves a very important function which is that and it, it's what happens on this show guys when we've had guests on over the years basically it allows the guests to be edgier and to do their real yes. to do their real opinions because what they say is inherently less controversial than what the host is yes. saying. So the host is actually the the hot takes of, that the host is giving are starting to tank all the aggro so that the 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 guests can say their real opinions and not get shit on them. It's basically because how I've done hosting the whole time. Yeah, I'm I'm basically the flack for the fucking heat seeking missile so that perks can say something <laughs> seventy percent of spicy exactly. but have a great quote and it not be the blow the whole thing. By the way, here's the joke. There's the jo first of all the other thing that's egregious is how dare you call it hotline. The only hotline involved in the premise of that show the joke should be that that's why nothing ever gets talked about because when they're about to talk about controversial 
subject. Travis sees that like red LCS phone start bobbing, the real hotline. He picks it up like, oh, take it off, take over, Mark. Yeah, yes, sir. I'll, I'll immediately shut it down. And here's the counter narrative. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, Mark. I, I don't think that's the right topic to talk about, mate. Mon Monte Cristo. I don't think we can trust him on the call. Put on TSM fan number 17 to talk about why TSM <laughs> might be good this season. Like, what is this? Because the premise of the show is great, by the way. I would love a show after that was balls to the wall. It'd be fucking sick, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be it could be quite fun, but but tragically it is what it is. <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna say the LCS isn't that interesting, but if you notice, once we discussed a lot of the top teams, we did start just like you know, meta discussing like other content in the region stuff. So I'll just throw that out there. By the way, the one other team to talk about really is EG in it. So what do you think of the what's 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 EG's problem so far, Monty? Because well, I thought it'd be better I, than this. <laughs> I think what's disappointing is that. In their game against CLG, they had such a crazy lead uh, because, you know, pound for pound, they're just a much stronger team than CLG. But at this point, Jojo Pian, I feel like he should know better about how to convert a lead when he's playing a champion like Rise. And CLG, I think we can agree, the one thing you can't do with CLG is give them opportunities because they actually have some pretty good macro play. Like if yes. we're, if we're being honest, like this team is, is not a slouch. Their Dignitas game. Now, did they throw a little bit? Sure. Contracts had a very good game though. They did some really good set plays around Pum's Ash arrows that were impressive, like by any standard, not just by an LCS standard. And so this team is smart. And so if you repeatedly do the wrong thing, they will be able to get back into a game like they are capable of playing from behind. And so for Jojo to take the lead that he got and not execute any kind of split push, not play the map at all is embarrassing. Like you need Jojo needs to take the next step as a professional player and as a leader within this team and convert his leads. Uh you can't lose to CLG with this advantage. That's just, that's inexcusable. CLG should be a gatekeeper team for the playoffs. They're a team that has strong fundamental teamwork, but they do not, they should not have the individual ability to contest with, with even with most, most of the other teams that we would consider top in LCS. By the way, I had a slight other topic. And here's the other thing, Monty. I won't ask you the naive question. Should I say something? I'll just put it out there and we'll see what you do with it. The usual dynamic of your career and mine since you've been connected with me. So <laughs> catch this hot potato slash grenade, Monty. Right. So here's the one I'm going to throw out there. I don't know if you saw this, but on the Evil Geniuses channel, they put out a video five days ago. It was called like, this is where it's going to be a serious topic. Now, you're going to think it's all fun and games, guys. This is a serious topic. The title of the video is The Dark Truth Behind the Evil Geniuses Offseason. I remember seeing that and thinking, is this like a community-made thing? It's on the Evil Geniuses channel. It's just a funny hype trailer for this season, right? And what they make fun of in it with, like, documentary things is the idea that, like, obviously they don't address anything about the Danny angle. They just make it seem like it's a joke because, remember, they called Evil Genius. It's just the branding. What it was, but here's my problem with that, Monty. This, other people might not know this because they don't know the behind-the-scenes stuff we've heard. But, spoiler, I'm committing myself now. Just like I, I haven't done it yet in CSGO, but don't worry, I'm going to get it done. You know I'm going to nail them in CSGO? And I did a different video about that. I've got a Frank 
Yankee video coming up. I'm, all these people I'm going to nail to the wall. I'm going to do one about that League of Legends story and what happened with Danny. I'm going to find out. I'm going to get, I already have quite a lot of it, but I'm going to get the rest of it and I'm going to figure out, because here's the thing, Monty, if what I will never accept is this. You know that thing, the one of the things that always outrages me the most is when you know in the newspaper there's the story where it's not just that a guy did a murder, but you know when they like, some, the evidence is circumstantial and they get off. You know that famous trope where they like taunt the victim's family, where the, it's almost like, you know I did it, but I got away with it. That's almost what this feels like. This is disgusting. I know your brand is Evil Geniuses. Spoiler, that's terrible branding right now, if you know the things I know. If, if you actually know, so even what's implied about what happened with Danny, the idea your org is doing that angle of like the dark truth, and then you don't even really address it. And as an org, you will never actually address that. As far as I can tell, all you will do is you will attack anyone who does address it, like they're the evil. You'll, you'll do what you call Darvo. You'll flip it so you're the victim and they're the aggressor. Even though actually it's people, by the way, who care about young men and people in the careers not being fucked over, trying to say questions must be asked of this you have to look into this what's going on you've tried to block all that and then now you're sort of memeing in that vein i'm i find that quite distasteful i've got to say yeah there was definitely some shady shit that was going on with that that whole danny situation like i'll drop uh, on here i've heard from someone this is why i have to search it through though i'm not a journalist in that regard i'm not an investigative journalist but i did hear from someone legit they think that those like dms that were on stream from the family they, they said it wouldn't surprise them if those were real i don't see why they would be fake yeah, you know, but even though, I, I don't, even I don't though, they would be when you look at how that woman, Nicole LaPointe, tried to address it in her video, the implication, she never overtly said it, but the implication was that like it was nonsense or it wasn't right or whatever. And the maddest part about that, I'll just throw this in there as well. This will probably be in the video because it's fire, is how fucking dare you as an org potentially burn a player out, mistreat them, use them as trade bait, and then after that, call yourself their family. And then when their family says something about it that you disagree, agree with you counter them who the fuck are you i'll tell you who you aren't their family that's so egregious mate like i don't think here's the thing they shouldn't go to prison over it but it's just so distasteful to me like what's the upside of that you know just be here's the thing either cop to it which would be great or just let it lie just don't mention it don't even don't even go inside just let it go and go we're just gonna put it behind us you know yeah, and also, guys, just in terms of the the broader industry right now, so you're aware about EG's reputation, there are a lot of people that have told me that EG is an absolute shit show internally, like very badly run. The management, you know, is is basically I'll not a line for you. I'll give you a quick line. This was a line that when I almost recorded the CSGO and I had, are you ready? Because I'll obviously, it'll be CSGO so no one will see this. This was the joke that you'll appreciate, Monty. At the beginning of the video, I was going to go. I investigated the org. I got people who were past players and staff. I got people who were present players and staff. I asked them throughout the whole organization. Some of them liked some of the other players. Some of them liked some of the coaches. Some of them didn't like some of the players. Some of them didn't like some of the coaches. Some of them didn't like Nicole LaPointe. Well, that's it. I mean, everyone didn't like her. Like, that's the joke. Like, some of the staff, there's like two or three staff there, mate, who like uh, any game, everyone tells you the same thing. Sometimes without even your volunteer. They're just well, like, it's, it's also, I hate these people, you know. It's also so many people who have been part of that organization and who have left, they hold a bitter hatred. Yep. <laughs> like, They're not fans. So, like, they are not fans. Rising surprisingly antagonistic, yep. I would say. Like, pretty sweet. Um, I'll give you the contrast that tells me this is serious, Monty. You know this. It was almost impossible, even sometimes privately, with some of the people who like had Stockholm Syndrome who were in TSM. Some of them even privately would defend TSM. 
And that was what was mad to me because I would get, you were mistreated. Dude, none of that's going on with this EG thing. Like you say to a man, they all just say like, I didn't, I either, if they're polite, they're like, I didn't like it. And I disagreed with the way it was done. If, they, if they're just fucking raw players, like I fucking hate that person, this person, and they fucked me up. Yeah, it's, it's not a good thing behind the scenes, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it doesn't seem great. Perhaps there will be another holy war soon against evil geniuses. Uh, well, the joke is that they've also played into that, haven't you? If you're going to call yourself evil, we're literally crusaders of fucking esports, homie. We are here to crush evil, to destroy evil, to root out and remove evil, okay? Remember what they said, even, Monty? Old Edmund Burke quote, isn't it? The only thing it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. Well, you know what? These good men, we are going to do something. There you go. <laughs> it's time to get my cross shield back out, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Thing is, I actually did like, even though you didn't come up with it, I did actually like that the angle they took in that like crusade. If you remember that video we did with all the art contest, was they always made me just like the fucking guy with the broadsword, just rocking excise my style. Like I just go in and I just hope I win, you know. But they made you, you were almost like some sort of like cleric fucking priest character with like magic elements. <laughs> no, but they put that they put the angle as well. You were like trying to do the more like cerebral approach. It was pretty good. It was good dynamic. I think yep. it was pretty good. <laughs> And I love the way to this day, I don't, TSM fans can never take the L. You know, to this day, they say we didn't win. They go, what happened to that TSM crusade? Where the fuck's TSM the last three years, guys? They're actually a laughing stock. Like the joke is, they got so bad, we started to feel sorry for them. That shouldn't even be possible. That's how bad the crusade was. The joke is, it was like war. War is hell, isn't it? Like everyone loses, you know? <laughs> also we definitely won now did we beat them no they beat themselves no, exactly. by leaking <laughs> by leaking all their conflict of interest on double lift street we didn't beat them to be clear they did fall on their own sword they kissed the joke are you ready sword. here's the joke monty and you know me my whole skill is it's the wording of the joke and how you set it up so you ready yeah and the worst thing about tsm is they're supposed to be at least experts about League of Legends, and yet they lost fucking potentially millions of dollars because some idiot was just hard stuck and could never perform. But enough about tactical. Oh, you probably thought I was talking about Sam Bankman Freeway! Way! <laughs> Did you? There you go. Whatever. Whatever. They're just done as an org. There's the other thing, mate. They've even been destroyed financially. We didn't even do that. Like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, Riot helped by not giving them the Valorant partnership, which was actually that one was of the spicy, best things Riot it? has ever done. That was spicy. <laughs> not least because I'll tell you what, you know what? Riot very rarely gets a true W. But I'll tell you what, Mark Merrill. Hey, you, you, the fucking, you know, the, the hidden dagger is the most deadly, right? You got that, that fucking love me some Reggie line hits different now, doesn't it, boys? It hits different now, though, doesn't it? Like when you don't get that spot, it's different. I'm just saying, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I, I did make that tweet. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I used the the love me some Reggie like copy pasta meme to talk about Mark Merrill, because the funniest thing that's happening now, right, is that Mark Merrill's entire criticism of Reggie, which was, by the way, complete delusion. Oh, some, oh I remember this tweet. Oh, yes, go on. <laughs> so the whole point of the love me some Reggie quote from Mark Merrill was he made this Reddit post that was like, love me some Reggie. But the, the gist of it is this, like, why isn't he taking some of the money he's making from League of Legends esports and reinvesting it there instead of using the millions of dollars he's made on LOL in other games, which was obviously an absurd premise for the following reason. If it was possible to make more money from League of Legends esports by spending more money, it's a financially sound business decision to you don't spend need to more tell money him. in League of Legends <laughs> you don't need to tell him, do you? Why, why do you need to tell him that? So Riot had this, and by the way, I can confirm that at this time, there was a delusion among the Riot 
uh, among the riot man esports management where they had crafted their own conspiracy theory. See, you guys think it was Mark Merrill being dumb. It wasn't Mark Merrill being dumb. He was the president of the company. It wasn't his job to know, to like be in the weeds this much to know what was going on. What happened is the morons in charge of Riot Esports told Mark Merrill that this was happening. And so Mark just repeated that back on Reddit. So the, it, he, it was in, that thought was incepted into his mind. And he didn't go back and be like, why did you tell me that shit? You're fired to the people who told me that I would I would have fired them instantly if, if like you guys just made me look stupid. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and also, it's not that he made them look stupid. It's that that incident started a oh, domino it so effect. Much. Yes, it started a domino effect that led to franchising. Like the it, joke it caused, is, if he hugely if he didn't make that statement for real, Riot just gets to have such a way better position for years to come. They probably would have done franchising eventually, they, but it would have taken yes. them all sound minds to get them in room. You know, they could have had a few more years of just running the scene with everyone with God, as you they, say, the opposite, to, terrible margins. They had to give up a significant amount of control because of the 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 uproar that happened as a result of that. And so here's the other angle: is, if you think about it, Monty. It's only because there was LCS franchising. You got LEC franchising. LEC has killed the LCS. <laughs> and LCK franchising, which was also terrible. <laughs> Not <literally. laughs> so, um, so anyway, this is obviously Overwatch League, like also pushed the franchising to happen faster. It wasn't a single, single contributor, but it did significantly weaken Riot's negotiating position. So anyway, the point of this is that they basically made a, an outrageous claim that teams were somehow like subsidizing their other divisions. So my tweet was basically like saying, love me some Mark Merrill, but why is he using the money from League of Legends to fund the development of other Riot games? Which shows how stupid his original position was. Because of course Riot should be using the money yes. to from League of Legends to fund the development of new and better games. But a lot of fans have been complaining recently yep. that like, oh, the resources aren't going back into LOL. Guys, LOL isn't going to be around forever, right? It, it it's not, I wouldn't say it's in maintenance mode, but the majority of the money they're going to be making is going to be going into other projects and not back into League of Legends. They're not getting a bunch of new players anymore. The the barrier to entry of 160 champions in this fucking game and no easy path for people to learn the game, the tutorial system is garbage, the new player experience is garbage. They're not going to fix it. They can't fix it, guys. They can't fix it. It's too complicated right now. So they have to figure out other things to do. Um, otherwise, they'll die as a company, which... I wouldn't hate, but I don't think it's in their best business interest. And you'd think fucking Trindamir would be better at spin. Whatever. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was fairly low. That was low on you. Know, That's whatever. good. I like it. If Mark Merrill is Trindamir, people don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that, that was the point I was making on Twitter. It was, it was a deep cut. Uh, but those of you who understood it, I know really appreciated it. <laughs> Can we talk about LCK then? End on a high? We, we, we do have to talk about the, the new LCS production. Oh, okay. Way. I think that, because here's the thing. By the way, you know what you said earlier? That thing about like, if you've had like such a terrible scenario, anything's it. Mate, <laughs> look, the QT Cinderella person did a perfectly fine job. Yeah. The way they were raving about it just shows how bad the fucking show's been. Like that was just a normal job, guys. It wasn't so much, it was, look, it was promising. It was interesting, but like, People were raving about it like it was the greatest thing of the weekend. Whippo was obviously great. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, he's always good I in think, that sense, yeah. Yeah, he's always super good. Uh, very charismatic, very knowledgeable, super good at talking, very good at explaining things. I thought he was he was really fun to have oh, on the Oh, I know broadcast. what we need to discuss, because here's my problem, Monty. When you do TikToks and stuff, and I watch them, in my brain, I think I had that conversation with you on a show, but we never did, which is when they revealed it, this is the most egregious part of the whole setup. So you got rid of Dash, literally was just voted best in the world at his role. You got rid of him because you were like, there's no more analyst desk. Now you tricked us all there because we all thought, oh, they're doing a different format. There's an analyst couch. Oh, bring back Dash then. No, 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 let's not have Dash. Right. Logically, he should still be there. Like he'd be doing a great job. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't that weird because the joke is they sort of hyped it like they were going to reinvent broadcasts. The joke is, I made this joke on Twitter. Monty did that in the fucking worlds. And the joke is, because Monty had Papa Smithy, Wolf, the joke is Mon Monty had more tier one League of Legends experts on his couch than the LCS had on their couch. So you go, what, that's a bit painful. <laughs> well, also, uh, you know, I had more LCK experts on my desk out, literally uh, outside of the, right outside of the Chase Center. So right outside of the World Finals. I had more LCK experts than they had inside the stadium on the broadcast for two for an all LCK final. What what a world, right? <laughs> what a world. Uh, but also uh, the other thing about the the LCS broadcast, Thorin, is that that pre-show, their pre-show was on the couch already with yes. Dash last year. And what we we were told, we were told that. The reason why they got rid of Dash was because they were trying this revolutionary new thing where they didn't need a host, but they literally just replaced him with Jat. Jat was just doing his job, but kind of worse. And it, as far as I could tell, was exactly the same thing, just with no Dash, and there wasn't a revolutionary new product. You remember, Monty, there was this league. You might not remember. It was a long time ago. It's called the Overwatch League. I know it's basically dead now, but you know, it was a thing a few years back that they were mainly doing You know, in a smaller game. And in this thing called the Overwatch League, they had a guy called Monty, who was called one of the best casters in the world at the time. Now, what happened was, look... I don't know. I mean, it's awkward that Monty's here on the show with me, but I'm going to keep talking about the third person. So what happened was Monty didn't really get the offer he should have gotten. And it wasn't really what, you know, things had been the years before. And one of the reasons he took that gig justifiably is it was one of the craziest chances to change forever. What like being a part of a company and being talent was both in terms of like impact on the show and the broad, but also I'll tell you right now, it was the best contract in the world. Maybe the best contract ever for a league of, Le uh, no, sorry for esports talent. As far as I know, like a proper contract, this length, all these bonuses. And what happened is because all Overwatch League didn't live up to what it was supposed to be. Understandably, they had to cut costs. and But they didn't. This is what everyone knows the story. The problem is this. Even though I know all companies are slimy as fuck and they'll always try and take every W, even when it's an L, on the PR, they didn't just say, sorry, it didn't work out, Monty. We're sad to see you go. Happy to, you know. Instead, what they did is they just announced their new talent, which were obviously lesser talents, even though some of them were native to the game. And they span it as, we're just trying to go a different route and a different direction with our talent and what we do. The joke is, I had the same vibe when I saw that couch, mate. What that, the second I saw that couch, my first thought wasn't, this is something revolutionary. It was like, sounds like they just don't want to pay Dash whatever he wanted to be the LCS watch. Yep. That's the first thing I thought. And the problem yep. with that, guys, is this. This is like when you're getting a team and you have to downsize. If you had to downsize a team with Bjergsen and Doublelift, you fire the top laner, you fire this guy. You don't fire Doublelift. You know what I mean? Like He was the win condition. So I'll say that the same thing. Wasn't Dash the best thing? Dash and Emily were the best thing on the LCS. Yeah. And to me, I... Dash was iconic at this point. He's done so many years. He is an icon of that broadcast. Well, it's also, and I said I said the same thing on on Power Spike. But if the the concept is we want to do more fun segments and we want to bring more guests in and we want to do skits, 
Why wouldn't you use the guy who makes people comfortable, whose entire job is integrating people yes. into the broadcast, who is literally an actor who has been to one of the best acting schools in the whole fucking world? Dude, he used to pretend else. Yes, was good every week. He's a fucking method <laughs> actor. Obviously, like Robert De Niro in the 70s or something. <laughs> but I mean, that's the, that's the point, right, is that. This is the guy you want to keep during this transition because he smooths out all the wrinkles as you are grappling with make with changing the broadcast. Um, he's the one who can cover up the best mistakes that are made in the production. He's the one who can make awkward situations significantly less yes. awkward. He's really, really good. It was re I thought he was really good at controlling the tone, Monty, because as you say, he knew when to make it funny or when to like roll with what, if you know production is an obvious fuck up, but you're, you're making it seem like something fun has happened, you know, which obviously inside, by the way, you're dying when that happens, but you have to pretend, oh, this is hilarious. We're going to now go to a different segment. He would, he would just pull that off. And the joke is you at home probably didn't even know there was a problem. That's when you know someone's nailed it on broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I agree with you. And so for me, it's, it's like clearly a money issue. Um, because even though in the second version of Travis's interview with Nas and John Needham, by the way, because yes. he redid it. So we will never know what was said in the original one. They said they weren't cutting budgets, but that doesn't mean that they're allocating budgets in the same way. Yes. People like QT Cinderella are very expensive guys, you know, getting these influencers, we're talking about, you know, they can be 10, $15,000 or more a day, which is probably that's, that's, that's about five to eight times what a, a normal esports caster day rate is. It's enormous. And yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really expensive. And, you know, maybe they'll bring value. Maybe they'll bring additional viewers. I did think that she did a good job and like brought her own flair into those yeah. segments. As like, a rookie, it was very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's no no shade against her. Um, but you, that that budget has to. You know, they're they're making they're making moves in terms of that budget, and they've decided that budget is going elsewhere. Basically, Monty, um, and this is going to be another, because if you notice, one of my skills is actually, sadly, you know this, but no fan will ever know this. Do you know 99% of making a good joke on broadcast is just saying the words without tripping over them? And that's why other people can't do it. It's hard because you have to phrase it right. And if you fuck up the wording on a joke, it ruins the whole joke. So here's the joke, Monty. Do you know what LCS did to Dash, Riot did to Dash as the LCS host in the off season was how every game goes against a newbie at Smash. They wave Dash goodbye. <laughs> I don't even like Smash. I'm just that good. I'm just that fucking good at what I do. So give me 10K to be on the fucking LCS. I'll be cutie Thorin. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I could go on broadcast and say double lifts over it too. I can do that as well <laughs> and pretend to like him. I've been pretending for years now. I actually do like him. Sad thing is, I actually low key. I, I, you know, I keep it real, Monty. I don't even dislike double lift. I just think he's, I just think he's being a bit of an idiot. You know, I still, I still like him for the same reason I ever did. He's the greatest North American born player of all time. That's not really a controversial statement. That's that's pretty ironclad statement. He he is a good player. But yeah. yes, he is. I mean, the he's just an airhead. Yes. <laughs> he's just a ditz, which is why it's funny. Um but yeah, I I think like what we what I saw from the broadcast was honestly pretty good. Um I thought the the guest segments ended up going well. Um I thought the intro that they did the hype intro was much better than it had been in the past. Did you see the the intro with the elevator and the skyscraper thorn? What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. 
Um, it was better than that the- one where they had like that fist fight or the fuck that. Because well, here's what people don't remember because we have to connect the past to this. That fist fight one deserves to be considered the modern day running down the halls at the beginning of the LCS where they just wasted time doing that stupid intro. Like that one was whack. This was actually pretty decent, I thought. Yeah. I mean, the fist fight was well made. It just had nothing to do oh, with it. Oh, it was. Me. Yeah, you're right. It just, it just was irrelevant <laughs> to League of Legends in any context. Yeah. It wasn't even, by the way, actually fitting for the person- personalities of the players and the talent of that. Like it didn't even make any sense. It was just nonsense. <laughs> It was essentially just like, what if Dash and like Corby had a Matrix fight? Like, all right, like, why, why are we spending money on here? This sounds, by the way, I'll say it right now. LCS sounds like those like stories you hear about Hollywood in the eighties when everyone's on coke, and that's why they're all making mad movies. Like, yeah, like Sylvester Stallone um, and his grandma. Uh, that let me think, they're bank robbers, and they're like, like the joke is LCS ones. Like, what are we gonna do? Oh, tell you what, uh, who's a good cutie Cinderella? Sir, that's uh, ten ten grand a day. Give her 12. Right, bring her in. Uh, Dash, nah, tell you what, I've seen enough of him. Seen enough. It wasn't that good. That The LCS numbers were down last year. Fire him, fire him, fire him. And then, uh, you know, it just sounds like that. They're just reaching for mad things all over the place. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> oh, John Wick's big at the moment, sir. That's what we're going to do. John Wick I mean, it intro. Also, it also just didn't make sense because there there wasn't even, like, fake beef between there wasn't you know, Kobe and Dash. The joke is both- that, I'll tell you how that should have been. Logically, that should have been something like Freak and Kobe or something, you know, and it was like the idea I, it, they're always it, battling opinions Freak and, and Dom, dude. That, that would, would be great. Fire. By the way, if you had the balls At to do Nalfari, that. Sorry, let's go. <laughs> if you had the balls to do Dom versus Freak on that and it was the same fight even, that would be legendary. That would be, by the way, I'd even give bad props to right if they had the balls to do that bit. That would be sick. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Monty, here's the joke. Are you ready? The joke. Remember, Monty, this is fucking sick. This is my best wordplay in a while. Because they're having a fight and because Dom was a jungler and because of freak, you could call it the rumble in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Not bad. That's, that's so Not true. Bad reference. <laughs> I hit everyone. I hit freak. I hit Dom. I hit the fucking actual fight. There you go. Not bad. Not well bad. played. Well played. Not bad. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there were there have been missed opportunities, and it was a well produced. It was really good from yeah. a technical perspective. It just had nothing to do with esports. Yes. Should we talk about right. LCK? I, I, I will say. I will say. Dash got an excellent piece of footage for his reel for his acting career now that riot has forced him to go do that instead so it was it was very timely for dash that that happened because i think they got some marvel stunt coordinators and now he can be like look at what i can do in his in his auditions for oh for i know what i'm gonna film. have to do now i'm gonna have to say one last thing before we go to lc and i'm gonna have to make it bloody controversial <laughs> oh well i guess someone had to do it my name is will be me again right so here's what i'm gonna say it's not actually that controversial but i will just say this if you are actually dash you probably like in the short so far you probably okay they sort of stood up for me said i was the best like, here's the one part i've got to tell you though dash you have sort of believed your own hype a bit and here's why because i saw all those posts he was doing that was all like hey don't worry that guys i'll be streaming soon and you'll still be able to watch me here's where esports fans fucking suck Right, I'll give you a quick aside. Have you ever seen those scenarios that would happen every few years where there would be some tiny streamer, often it would be someone who's disabled or some sort of a minority or something, and there would be someone and people would decide a sort of like a cool gesture, like, let's blow this person up. Let's all jump in, let's sob, let's gift sobs, let's be in, and then let's all tell them when they've got 10K concurrent, say, we love you, like you can do it, like congrats. I always thought the evil part about that was the way that like attention culture works, because you know the way the economy works. That happens for a week, and then the next week yeah. you're back to almost nothing, and it's like... You've, you've been shown what it's like to live the rarefied life and it's taken away from you. You're back in the gutter. Here's the problem Dash has. 
Don't worry, mate. When they're watching the LCS Twitch and they're tormenting, when they're on Reddit, yeah, they're all going to say, oh, I love Dash. Oh, I wish I could watch him. They're not going to tune into your stream, I'll tell you right now. That's just the nature of the industry. I'm sorry. So uh, do, do I actually have been watching Dash's co-stream. Um, he, okay. he's, he's, he's on, he has a, like a couch set up um, and he has been doing it with Artemis, the former EG coach. Yeah, yeah. I know him. And so they've been, they've been bouncing off of each other pretty well. And I found it enjoyable and it's a very different product because in the same way that my world's live viewing was more of a conversation and more of like, you know, kind of a fun dynamic atmosphere. It's not that I don't like other co-streamers, but I do find the vibe better when there's people in the same room together. And Artemis is is very insightful and Dash, I think, asks good questions. So I was I was actually hosting his, I was raiding with my bangers only stream, his stream uh coming how, into the LCS. Oh, then how many stream. views did it have? Because you must know. I, I think he had about 500 to 700 concurrence. Bro, this um, is the beginning. The... This is when they should all feel sorry to be on the stream. Is that 500 now? Where's it going to be in like eight weeks? That's the question, I'm just right? saying I, I was watching it. Uh, I'm not and saying it's bad. It. I'm just saying the fans, are, unfortunately, that's not the way fans are. They'll say they're loyal like that. But the, the joke of fans, this is actually the reason why we've had to do company like Fast Free Nation. The real problem with fans is they want it so they need to be spoon fed. So the joke is if you aren't on the LCS broadcast, you don't exist to it. The joke is I bet a bunch of them don't even know there is a core stream. They're like, well, that's core stream. Like, they're not watching in that sense, you know. I think I think the hard thing is, is that everybody has who wants to watch a core stream has already made a decision about who they're going to watch on the core stream. It's, you know, they've already decided that I want to watch Medios or Sneaky or LS or Dom or whoever else. And so I think it's really hard to break in um, to that co-streaming environment. I think it's tough. I think it's tough. All right, here's the thing. Let's do like a quick five minute break, then do the LCK. Right, we're back. We've saved the best to last. Although, as I pointed out, if you watch the LCS segment... Logically, you must never listen to this part of the show because you have no clue who Vickler and Prince Ari, all the stories we talked about last year. Like, the joke is, you probably watched at Worlds and were like, where's Aria and DFM? Like, shut up, you idiot. Like, you have a chance. You just don't, you choose not to learn. You can, I've always said, because you know the old line, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. My joke is, you can lead a fan to a point, but you can't make him think. <laughs> That was my old yep. line back in the day. So and it even it, rhymes. So Monty, unlike the original. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Monty actually nailed it, which is obviously, if you know the top two teams in Korea, like on paper, obviously it should be D plus, and then T1 just kept the same roster that's pretty good. And obviously the marquee matchup, much as last season it was T1 and Gen G, and then the past seasons it was Dam 1 and T1. The marquee matchup already happened. It was D plus against T1. And bearing in mind, some of us thought, I did, I thought D plus might end up being the best team in the world. As if you needed the script, the classic script of the LCK, you have to have the underdogs lose to T1. Because here's another thing, mate. It can't just be faker at this point in time. There's something about the T1 name. It's like people just lose these bloody regular season marquee games against them. The amount they've won is ridiculous in history. Even when they're not the best, they always win them. Like, Because this was a big, big game. This was a big time game. It was yeah, huge game, really delivered, was insanely high level. It, it will probably easily be the best regular season game anywhere was in the world. Was it your banger of all the ones you've done so far? There's nothing. Oh, once yeah. he's doing oh, a stream, by the way, on history, the bangers only thing where I'll just quickly do this at the top of the segment. 
what as well as doing this show where we do the analysis, what Monty's doing is because we complained over the years, and I know by the way, I genuinely think people like Emily Rand, Kelsey Moser, they almost deserve like a fucking statue in front of like the LCS or something because these people have like, I think, cut like 10 years off their life trying to watch every game in the world. Well, the point is they did all that stuff to know what's going on, but fans can't do that. It's too much time. The joke in the modern days, you can't even just watch all of LPL. That alone's too much. So what Monty's doing is he's going to watch all the best VODs in every region, every one of the big ones, and he's just going to basically show you which the good ones are. It's called bangers only. And so this was the banger of all bangers thus far. <laughs> yeah, it's it, unfortunately, we will not be having another banger of this caliber for quite some time, most likely, at least on paper, right? Maybe we'll get a better series, but this series was really high level. Uh, in the way that it was played and it had everything you wanted, right? It had crazy good storylines leading into it with Kyria doing all the weird stuff in the meta that he's doing with 80 carries as supports. And then the mind games of each team, you know, T1 then taking away the Nami and Lucian that had been so dominant with Deft and Kellen in that bot lane where they've just been absolutely smashing people in LCK. And so that was taken away. And then we got to see that the response to this was a bunch of AD carry bans. It was like five, six AD carry bans a game to prevent Korea from doing that, who then pulls out the support Callista as a response, which we hadn't seen before. And we have Kellen playing Guardian Bone Plating Shield Bash Yumi to try and counteract the, the dominance of the Lucian Nami lane into the Zeri Yumi, which was This is some dark effective. tech, boys. This is some dark was, tech. The, the dark tech was out of control in this. <laughs> the bot lane dark tech was out of control in this series because it was also, it was all the dark tech that caused the new dark tech. It was a game occur. within a game. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was actually wild. So it was a really phenomenal series. And if you guys want to go check it out, it is a, a Twitch VOD on my channel where I go over it. But watch the games regardless, wherever you watch it. It was amazing. Um, and your point about D plus, what was what's so good about D plus's performance was that this could have been a 2-0 for D plus and likely should have been a 2-0 yep. for D plus. Um, they also did. the classic storyline against T1 in best of three barking matchups. The classic win the first game, second, we all know the way it goes. They somehow win the third game, they just curse monkey paw to win every third you, game of the barking matchup. You can't give T1 too many chances to adapt to you, right? It's yes. it's like the Borg in Star Trek. You know, you can kill a few Borg, but then they adapt to you and they assimilate you and you become, you know, your strategies become part of their collective hive yes. intelligence. So you have to deal with them quickly. Um, and the, the, the fact, the factors in this match that D plus was nearly able to win, even though they're still trying to get used to having Kana and Deft on this roster was, I think a very good omen for this, the rest of the rivalry, because it hopefully will continue to be close. But if D plus is capable of going up against a T1 roster that made no changes, that kept their synergy intact, that still has the styles that they had from last year, it's a great sign. It's a great sign. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a really compelling series where we it felt like we got absolutely everything we could out of it. It was, you know, an incredible back and forth game in game one. Canyon had adjusted an insane smite play for those of you guys who who saw it it it, it wasn't even really that t1 made a mistake at this baron they tried to zone him out but canyon just fucking outplayed them and he gets into the pit on set like basically he ults uh zayas who's playing yone with he's playing sejuani he ults him before 
uh, Zayas can ult him to keep him out of the pit as they finish the, the Baron. The Baron's at 1300 HP and you see the Zeri laser animation starting and he times it so that the tick of damage at the end of the animation is exactly the same time as his smite when the Baron's at 1300 HP, which means that it's actually deft on Zeri that secures the Baron. But Fucking amazing. Like, actually great. amazing play. <laughs> really fucking good. Um, so Canyon Canyon had, he did make a mistake in the third game by over-pursuing in the bot side, which allowed Faker to get a triple kill, like flashing for the, the, the Draven kill did kind of lose the game. Um, but if you want oh, to... Mate, team- there, was, there was a moment in this game where Faker... This is the thing, guys. If you only look at World, you're going to think he's still... I always say this, but he does still have flashes because he is a truly great player. The thing about the great great players is even when they're not as good, it's like in sports, they'll still have a throwback game. Like, he had moments in this where it was like, fuck, it, Faker again. Like he, he had some moments where he looked sick. I mean, he's been really on form at the start of this season. Faker Faker looks really good right now. And... But not bot lane, mates. They, they were playing pretty well this one. They were playing fucking pretty well. Like, Kerry is just... I, I'm saying it again. People used to say this when T1 used to be the best. I think he is uh, arguably the best player in the world again, mate. He's just bonkers. He's, like, his champion pool is unfair. Unfair. He, it's unfair, and he's setting the pace of the meta, and he has realized certain things that we are going to... It's going to percolate into other regions. Um, we should see it in other... It's already started to percolate into other teams like Barrel playing the support Caitlyn this past week as well. But it's just... Umbral Glaive is just too fucking good right now. And the game is so focused on bot lane priority and poke, early game poke to get people off of Drakes to start you know, stacking Drakes. Um, Umbral Glaive provides an insane amount of additional vision control. That item is super broken in my opinion right now. and. Yeah, I mean, if you think about all of the things that these AD carries, you know, they have a lot of utility. Caitlyn traps yes. are one of the best abilities in the game it. at the professional level. One of level. the best things to set up a gank ever in the brush, isn't it? Like, it's perfect. Yep. And and also, it allows you to control objectives so well because you can't yep. get rid of them. You Power and control, you ha- perfect. Yeah, yeah, you just, you you cannot get rid of them. Um, you can set up poke damage by just front-loading or ultimate. You have the lethality early. It takes time to build armor. So until we're getting into the 18-20 minute range, like lethality is very effective uh, within the game right now. Um, yeah, it's it, Caitlyn traps are amazing. Even Callista, like think about what Callista does. Offers sentinels and free vision control. Callista offers another smite on bet, your support. Uh, also, how about this, mate? Your support has the Callista ult. That's OP is fucking the kit. If you could make it work, that's OP. Yeah, what? Because you save your AD carry. Right? Yeah, it's mental in it. That's so OP. It's ridiculous. Like, like, tell me, tell me which is better, guys. Uh Callista saves a support or Callista saves an AD carry, right? Exactly. Um, also allows you to clean up team fights very well, uh, which we saw with by chucking the Draven in uh to these fights and basically at the end of a fight getting a massive knockup straight into a Draven ult turned out to be pretty fucking good. Um yeah, you know, if you... <laughs> that moment is... That, that moment in that game, I just remembered as well. The one where every time Faker on game three, it was just like, doo, doo, like all the fucking Zonyas going off around. Yeah. <laughs> <Do you remember? laughs> like everyone just had a Zonyas game. <laughs> I love that. That was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really good. Um, I love to see what Kiri is doing. Obviously, the Ash provides long range, infinite range, conditional engage, allows you to make plays. We saw in that 
uh, Kwangdong Freaks game yep. that was one of the cleanest first 15 minutes I have ever seen in a game. And by the way, you guys can go to my YouTube channel, which I am resurrecting from the dead. And I it's from my bangers only stream. You can see I did an analysis of the first 15 minutes of the game where I do a lot of telestration and talk about why T1's early game is so clean and why the draft is so good. If you guys are curious, please go sub subscribe to that channel as well. We'll be doing more of that content, uh, hopefully. But yeah, it, everything everything about what Kerry is doing is really shifting the meta. And the thing is, are, are players going to be good enough to mirror this? within other regions and LPL probably the answer is yes I'm curious to see how it goes in, in some of the other some of the other regions as well um but yeah it's it's been really fun to watch T1 and it's been really fun to watch D plus and it's been pretty fun to watch thing, G and KT <laughs> one, before we go to the other teams the last thing I want to say about T1 is this bearing in mind I didn't think T1 were going to win Worlds until they got to the final basically like at that point in time yes then of course I thought they would beat the RX because the RX should have sort of eventually done the Cinderella and just failed at the last step and died and lost in game 5 but actually turned, the joke is <laughs> because Faker isn't at his absolute best now I didn't feel that sorry for Faker not winning another Worlds title like he's already won plenty of fucking Worlds titles he's had plenty of cracks as well he's had some amazing by the way T1 has also just stacked talent around him for like 4 or 5 years now this ain't season 8 when they did him dirty boys like now he has all the talent like if he was the best he would have a, a few more worlds rings that's just just a fact in my opinion the problem i have is this it was carrier that shook me mate like i can't lie that was even worse than those jensen ones where he was all shaking that what that was actually heartbreaking when he was just fucking broken at the end of game five mate because i do think that guy that guy deserves a fucking world championship mate that guy was one of the best in the world from support position yeah that guy deserved I think, that i think spring of last year he was the best player in the world in spring um and i think Right now, he might be the best player in the world again, as you said. As you said, there is an argument to be made that he is currently the best player in the world. By the way, I'll tell you something fucked up. You actually really, really need moments like that where you see them on camera. It's same like Faker when he lost that season seven worlds. Because what you need to know is that this isn't just video games. This is their life and their career. And they have put in mad hours. And so in, I always say this. I know it sounds fucked up, but it's almost like proof that there has to be like pain before pleasure means anything because in the same way as we love like the joy of seeing like you know when in csgo when like KD and wins or something like, oh why wow we won a tournament like the joy of that has to be mirrored by the fact that when you lose it's devastating you don't just go ah well it's your turn good luck no like you know by the way maybe you never make it to the world's finals that might be your one crack it's like the super bowl maybe you just never go back you know like that it has to be unfortunately really harsh because that's that's what's balancing it out isn't it, it can't all just be smiles and rainbows I mean, I think we expect T1 to at least continue with this. It's hard to it's hard to say they won't make it back, considering they literally have made every single possible final that they could have made last year. They made all of them: LCK, MSI, Worlds. Uh, with the way they're currently but there's playing, there's no locks in league. Listen, mate, if sure, Gen G yeah. last season doesn't show you, there's no locks for the final in League of Legends. Because <laughs> here's the problem: they could be maybe. Here's the thing, Monty. Maybe they'll even be the best Korean T1. Korean team, but the problem is China's coming with a couple of bangers again. Yeah, and eventually, I know they haven't. Real good, I know they? they haven't managed to do it from the number one seed, but eventually, the number one seed's going to get it together from the fucking LPL and just rock everyone. It's going to happen eventually. I mean, JDG was was good before they upgraded at their yeah. two weakest positions, and now they now they have Knight and Ruler. So uh, that that obviously is going to be a banger team. Or as Core and JJ calls him, you know, the old tactical. <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> 
How um, dare you? How dare you call JJ? Just <laughs> listen, as we say in England, wind your neck in. Just wind your neck in. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think there is a, a very clear upper echelon of those two teams, and then there's a cut, and then there's Genji and KT below them, uh, and then there's Hanwha Life who can't figure out how to play League of Legends for the life of them. And I really uh, hope, dude, you know together. this. That is the Korean XL. It just is, <laughs> yep. isn't it? It should be so much better than this, Monty. But the only <laughs> one side, and look. I don't want to sound like a hater here because I don't actually hate on fucking people like Zeka, but like I did sort of want to see you all come back to reality though. <laughs> he isn't like fucking Trovi or Rocky or fake. He's just a good player, you know? Yeah. He's a good player. I, didn't want, I did want him, them to be competitive for yeah, you know, playoffs. For, so. for, yeah, for, for fun reasons to make everyone else challenge, but that team looks fucking terrible right now, mate. They really, really do. Um, yeah, I think you probably have to believe that the jungle change will be coming sooner rather than later. But at the same time, I think one of the problems with LCK teams is that when they've been clearly flawed, they don't make changes. And they don't make changes between spring and summer, which is Shall I tell you stupid. a theory? I've got a theory I want to run by you. So you tell me what you think, Monty, because I'll, I'll give you the credit. You know more in theory about Korean culture than me, right? This is what I think as to why they don't do it. It's actually one of the things that I, I actually find really hard to deal with when I read interviews with Korean players. You know, a Korean player will be like objectively by every metric and result of the worst player in a match and he'll lose and he will actually apologize like he fucked up. Even if he played great, he will be like, I'm sorry, I apologize for losing. I will try harder next time, and next time I will come back and win. And so, unfortunately, I've always felt like the brilliant Korean work ethic that can do so much for the game, it can, in my opinion, sometimes be a little bit, I wouldn't, maybe saying abused is too much, but it's a little bit too leaned on, in my opinion, by the Korean orgs. Like, the problem is, you know that story about Vethio? Like, Korean players don't mental boom after four games and go, I can't, cannot play anymore. Like, a Korean player, literally, it's one of the things I respect, but I also, it breaks my heart. They will try even when it's almost impossible and just keep trying, just keep trying. And they really believe, it's why their culture is amazing, that they will, that, that anyone can become the best. Like, if people don't know, there was a very shrewd fact someone said on a podcast, but it was nothing to do with esports, and it blew my mind. It was actually about Japan, believe it or not. They said that one of the reasons in Japan people have, a, like, an excellent level of high achieving is, believe it or not, Monty, because they have that whole vibe there. You remember that famous saying, like, the nail that sticks out is the one that attracts the hammer they have a whole saying of like don't like essentially be humble your whole life don't ever think you're anything keep your self-esteem down and so unfortunately even though on some level it's fucked up to have low self-esteem their self-esteem the way they do it is right you have self-esteem but we've got a fix for that work really hard and if you work really hard we will benefit you we'll praise you and so unfortunately what causes the excellence also means you will essentially like to me some of the korean players remind me of those stories in the american military where it's like if the if the sergeant says run through a brick wall you just do it he knows he's the sergeant. You're the soldier. You run through a brick wall. Because I, I agree with you. Some of these teams, they should just blow them up. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't keep going like this. Like how's this going to end the year? Well, it's not. Uh, yeah, there there has to be something that's done in drastic changes. And I think that the idea is that you know you're you're always capable. The individual is always capable of doing more to contribute to the collective good. So that even if you're playing well. The idea is that you can still do even more in order to make the team succeed and that you by the, the failure is still somehow partially your responsibility. Yep. Even if you carry way of looking at yeah. the world, even if you are the carry in the game as well, and you lose the game. Like they still feel like you could have done more. And by the way, the yeah. sad thing about it is, like I said, unfortunately, I can tell you that mindset is what will make you the greatest. Like I'll tell you right now, Monty, when simple used to hard carry Navi and CSGO, 
He would also say and believe the same thing. Like, I also could have done more. And I'd be like, bro, you dropped like 45 kills. He's like, yeah, but if I got those two on the first round, I would have 47. We would have won. I like, like I said, that's a fucked up mentality. But if it works, you will be the greatest player of all time. Like, no, <laughs> you can't stop that mentality. Yeah. And I, I mean, probably that's the difference with Nico, right? Nico, it doesn't have that that mentality. I mean, he works as hard as well, but there's definitely players that, you know, they're more like they take it and leave it. Depends what the team's like. Depends, you know, there's definitely a lot of people where like they would be more like, wow, what's good in that game? I guess I see what you mean, actually, because to be fair, Nico would never admit he was, he would probably just be like, yeah, it was pretty good. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Next time we get of, him. It's a different level of drive, right? It's yes. a different level of drive. Um, But yeah, I, I do hope that there are, if the, I don't want to go too crazy after seeing Hanwell Life only play four matches but i think if by the end of the first round robin we haven't seen meaningful improvement wolf is wolf is a, lo a lot higher on them he he liked the the okay. stuff that he saw in their last series and you guys can listen to him he's talk not gonna about like him on... getting stumped by t1 in the next game is he he's not gonna like that man i mean we expect we expect that to happen right sure. we expect that to happen <laughs> it but I, I think if we can see meaningful improvement and you guys can go listen to wolf's opinion on the the monty and wolf show that i do with him um we all hope they're going to do better. And the problem he is, let's is be optimistic. real. Right now, you still do have champions like Zeri. You have some very strong ADCs. When you have a player with the talent level of Viper, it can still turn around. You can still oh, yeah. win some games. I just think fundamentally, it's a bit like the XL one. The actual just team doesn't seem like it's worked as well as it could have. Like, it hasn't and come together like you hope. Sometimes you need to just make a change like signing Dread and replacing Clid with him just to reinvigorate spirits. Right. It's not necessarily that the players are fundamentally bad, but the, sometimes you got to just make a, a shift to improve morale. Right. And then you can return to what you had originally planned later. So, yeah, um, that's about it, I think, for the LCK. Obviously, we talk a lot about LCK and Monty and Wolf. So if you want some long, long analysis about that D plus versus T1 series, you guys can go over to that show and, and get it. Um, we, we touched on a lot of the main points here. Uh, and also, I will just say this. I'll just throw this out to, to be a tiny bit of a cunt. Oh, imagine that, Monty. Why would I do that? But here's the, here's the little tag I'll just throw out there. Y'all commentators and analysts love at Worlds talking about every T1 lineup. Just because Faker's there, one player, you talk about it like the team from 2015. You go, well, they're going to have a lot of experience in the uh, finals, Monty, because they've been there before. Well, then logically, I want you to all address DRX, who has Beryl, as the world champions. Every match they play, this is the world <laughs> champions. Logically, why would it be different? It's the same shit. That's the same shit. But you see how whack it is when I make that example. It's nothing like that, is it? The joke is it's Beryl and fucking who? Well, we know the players, but they're not fucking good, are they? <laughs> I, well, I mean, they should be better than they are with this roster. They they are also excelling. Oh, they're underwhelling like a motherfucker. Yeah, this is supposed to be like a dark horse, maybe. If it came together in the perfect way, you know. Yeah, well, uh, luckily, Thorin, we have a banger of Hanwha Life versus DRX. Okay. Coming out later this week. Okay. So we get to see which of the underwhelming okay. teams is less underwhelming <laughs> i i actually do think that's that's low-key gonna be a banger it's like barrel versus zeka and king yeah. and like there is there's some fun shit going on there i will probably watch that on my stream for the lulls for the lulls um all right should we do some viewer questions yeah, do a few questions all right we are going to go back into the grog coin channel and put a bow on our grog coin before we announce uh our new way of asking questions on the show uh Let's see here. I'm, I'm not going to ask ones that 
are no longer relevant, yeah, such sure. as predicting stuff before the season started because some of these questions are I think old. Excel won't be that good, Monty, if you ask me. <laughs> 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 to be fair, we could almost do a skit like that where we just run a whole thing like, like... <laughs> go on. Um, if the, Let's see here. What is your biggest or most unique pet peeve? Didn't we do this one already? Uh, no, I had one like that in CSGO, I know, that was like pet peeves in the game or something. I don't think we did it in a league, did we? Biggest pet peeve? What is your I, biggest I, pet peeve in well, life, Monty? I, I, said, I think I said this already with, with yeah. Richard when, when Richard was... Oh, I think it was on Four Horsemen, we had something. Yeah, right, Four Horsemen. I, I, think, like I think I said, I said the, that it's people who don't, who think that there should be a advantage in... A bracket reset in Double Olympics. In, like, yes. like a bracket yes. reset yes. in League of Legends or Counter-Strike or other long games, or there should be an advantage to the winner's bracket team and double elimination and that other... It, because there isn't, we can't run double elimination is like, it actually just Omega tilts me. All right, here's the thing. I'll spin it because I won't do whatever I said then, but I'll do a different pet peeve because, spoiler, I have a lot of pet peeves, don't I? If people don't know, that is actually my strength and my weakness. Like, you're all going to say, like, you're so harsh. Like, by definition, here's a word you'll love, Monty, that's been abused in the English language. You know, in the modern day, discrimination's terrible, isn't it? Actually, discriminating, by definition, when we're talking about ideas, is the best possible thing you can do. It's how you differentiate what's good, what's bad, what's different. What are the patterns? Literally, yeah. The idea is if you don't discriminate, by the way, then logically you will date anyone. You will live anywhere. You will take any job at any point. You must be discriminating to live a life of value. So what I would say is this. My actual big pet peeve in that regard is I hate when people... uh, Let me think how I explain this. I hate, basically, when people want a type of... They they say, I want X, but all of their actions subsequently show they don't want X. And sometimes they want not X. So a classic example would be like ones where people say, we've had it our whole fucking careers. Remember the whole time Reddit's ever seen our show, there's always a contingent of people like, Carl Starin doesn't understand the game and we really need high level analysis. Blah, blah, blah. And then the joke is when someone like one of my mates and a fellow content creator like Jensen Gore does like a video like that or has a Patreon where he breaks down games games and shows you like a new tech and different players or they do a video where it's like this is our cross map y'all don't even watch it i can even retweet yeah. it and you won't watch it like i'm giving you exactly what you want and you the joke is you just say you want that because what you're doing is you're taking advantage of public perception about what it says about you you're basically the guy who goes my favorite music well it's hard to pick between Brahms and Mozart and Beethoven, but then at home, you never listen to that. You're listening to fucking Limp Biscuit into Lincoln Park, back to back, which I listen to, but I don't pretend I listen to the other shit. So that is a, be- a massive pet peeve because as a content creator, I, you must have had this. I've had to tell so many oh, yeah. analysts and content creators, look, I know it sounds fucked, but don't listen to fan feedback. They will lead yes. you down a path and they will frustrate you because you will think I am there, dealing there with been- what they want and it isn't what they want. There have been many psychology experiments that show that people say different, their behaviors do not bear through what they say they want. They behave in a dip, they behave in a way that they want something that they say they don't want. So there you go. Uh, let's keep going. Um, I will dominate listed. One of the main issues with NA is the inability to find five players who will completely commit themselves to the game for an entire year of play. If you had to make a team of grinders from current or past NA players, including import, Okay. Okay. I mean, Bjergsen has been famously a yeah. grinder. He's tried really hard. Corey it has to be Bjergsen. Really hard. It has to be Bjergsen because Jensen notoriously isn't like that. He is more of a guy yeah. who just chills and, and there's no one else except them too. So it has to be Jensen for mid lane. Corey JJ is a good one. 
Sven is a mega grinder. It definitely can't be double lift spoiler. It, it, by definition, it cannot be double lift down there. <laughs> he actually just gave up. So it exactly. Can't be <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can have Sven. It, even though people might not like him as an ADC, he was definitely a grinder. In fact, I even had mad respect that even during the TSM and the, the hard times and some of the cloud nine, he just kept going. He just kept working. Yep. Uh, what about for jungler though? Who's a grinder as a jungler? I don't know. Because the problem is, if I go like, I will dominate, people go, ah, oh, bloody hell. So, all right, maybe I won't pick out. Is there anyone else though? Is there any player who's, who's a Torin plays a lot of the game. He's real, very dedicated. He has that uh, Nordic work ethic. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. That, that just proves hard work, doesn't it? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what about, who's the top player in one though? Because it can't be impact for that one. He definitely does fall in some of the games. Who's the top player in one? He doesn't try very hard during the regular season, I don't think. Do you know what's sad? As much as, uh, uh, maybe this will be one moment where we reach the olive branch out. Actually, you know I did a reflection with this guy years ago. It was all squash. Uh, you know what? I might say Dyrus as a top player. Yeah. This is a guy who always, uh, another guy who took a million fucking shit ends of the stick, seemed to always put in the hours, learned the new champions, whether it was Lulu or Olaf or fucking whatever it was. Like, yeah, I always respected his game in that sense. Next, literature has Romeo and Juliet. Cinema has Thelma and Louise. Music has Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. What does esports have? What is esports' greatest love story? Monte Cristo and Thorin. <laughs> One of the go. greatest <laughs> romances of all time. Remember that picture we knew took when Susie <laughs> took it the day I came back to Korea after one of my trips where we did like the little, like the. You did, yeah. the, you did one. And we don't, there's one. It's on my Instagram somewhere, guys. That's a pretty good one. Pretty good romance. Uh, also, uh, Tasteless and Artosis. That's a classic. There's, there's a classic one for you guys. And there's a assembler. Uh, there's, a there's a bunch of yeah. them, right? Yeah. Uh, best mix of two esports personalities to come up with the best persona. Best mix for the worst persona. Dragon Ball Z type fusion. Oh, this is fun. I, I like the <laughs> worst one. That's the funniest one. But we'll do the best one. Because obviously, if we're here's the thing. Technically, is the idea that they're supposed to have two fun personalities, or is it like I take like an analyst with the brain and then like the personality the other one? Which way are we not I mean, doing it? Best mix for two esports personalities and worst for Dragon Ball Z type. I mean, the fusion. joke is again, our fusion would be pretty good. <laughs> yep, <laughs> pretty good. Good. Yep, I'd be pretty good. Uh, what else then? I mean, I'm trying to think. Here's the problem. I'm trying to think of who the fuck you could fuse with, like LS or something like. That. <laughs> I don't know. Let me think. You know what? I'll I'll tell you for real. I, I mean, actually the Atlas think LS cast worked because like oh, Atlas good. and LS together is a pretty good one. You know what? I actually think a pretty good one, an underrated one, would actually be if you fused Cadrill and LS. Because here's why I think. Because I actually think Cadrill, despite the fact he occasionally says something a bit spicy, he's actually very good at doing what LS does, but in sort of a bit of a more boring way. And it's like if you just agree, if you just want to see that, if you actually do want to see the in-depth stuff, you just want Cadrill, right? LS also will put a lot of showmanship on it. I think if you combine the two, you might have the the perfect blend of like you could have the most outrageous take and you could also have the most grounded take at the same time you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good one and i'd I'm also obviously of... the joke is cause ls l s it'd be called the combo would be called k-drells k-drells <laughs> see there you go i've even the fucking combination for you who do you want for your best? Who are we going to do for your best on this one? I, I don't know. I think I think we came up with some good ones. I said what about that for a bad one? The last one. The best. Let's, do, oh let's do the worst possible one. Because this uh, is the thing. I'll flame a lot of people and tell it. Well, I don't like. I don't give a fuck. Man. It's a lot about my friends, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I want to. I want to fuse. Uh, I want to fuse Sadakist and Frankie so that they say outrageous things and then get offended by themselves. 
And also, there's no way anyone would last even five hours in a green room with those two. Exactly. <laughs> right, I'll do a similar one. Because what I'll do is this. Let me think how to frame this. Right, this is going to be whack, so I'll have to do a deep pull for this one. But if you know the reference, it's fire. I will take original OGN Mole Trap, who, if people don't know, was a bedroom <laughs> StarCraft cast. I used to watch him in Brugel when I was a noob, who I didn't know was just shit, but was just doing an average job. And he was just he was just super basic, basically. He didn't have any in-depth knowledge about Lee. He was just like there's a reason why Monty and Dor were the replacement of that. Like he, he just was he just he wasn't good. He was clearly someone from another game, and, he, and no one talked to him. So essentially I'm saying like I think they're sort of like the it wouldn't work at all. Nothing about it works. And I would combine that, not with the other, just with Freak's arrogance. <laughs> See what I've done there? That would be the most annoying talent of all time. Because here's the thing, I didn't even just free, I didn't take his knowledge, right? that can still be it, but I'm just taking his arrogance and, and combining the two into, into a shit sandwich. <laughs> there are some really funny ones you could make. <laughs> the internal conflict in some of these people would be outrageous. I'll be wild. Uh, the summoner spell revive is back on the menu. How would it affect the meta in pro play? It would be terrible guys. I mean, you basically, you know, you would send that person in to die uh, to like clear out wards because if they died, then you could just use revive to get back to the Baron fight before the other team could take it. Yeah, it would be, it would be awful based on what you both, you both know about current teams practices and scrim philosophy. What would a week look like under your coaching and how would you structure it? How much time would you leave for discussion, theory talks, that kind of stuff? I actually don't think the teams are too inefficient with this these days. They have a lot of people and, and performance coaches and everything that I don't think the, the practices are terrible. I, I Here's the thing. I agree because they've had so many years and they've gotten like a basic thing. But I do still think that one day someone will come along. It could have been an LS. Who knows? I just didn't have the personality to temperament to be the teacher in this sense. One day someone will revolutionize Western League of Legends with using theory in the better way than they do now. I think, and I've said this forever, FOD reviews are probably the most inefficient way to convey information and to get specific points across to specific people that won't apply to the other four people. I think it's terrible. I think it's actually one of the most inefficient methods. So I think in the modern day, you want theory. I want theory to be more abstract money. I don't want it to be like you made this mistake. I want it to be almost like Here's a brain puzzle. You find yourselves after the Baron, the ADC has gone down. You know, it's one of those and then you solve it like together. Like, well, I could do this. I would love that because in my opinion, that's the area to tie it back into what we said about coaching. That the saddest thing about coaching is you coach till the game starts. Then it's like your gag. Bloody hell, what the hell? What's this going on? And you can't say anything. <laughs> so instead, you want your players essentially to themselves internalize what the logic is. Here's what we're going to do on macro. Here's what we're going to do here. So I've always thought if someone could come up with a better way of using theory in that sense, not just a VOD review, but actually like real theory. This is the abstract concept. So if people don't know, that's actually how in CSGO in 2016, Luminosity, the Brazilians became the best. It wasn't just they had Cold Zero. They used to spend hours doing theory. And what it meant, Monty, was by the end of, as the year went on, every player understood this philosophy of how they played because their team famously was very good in like late round situations like a 2v2 or a 3v3. They were would always manage to like push punish the enemy when he made a push they would put you know it's like and it's because they'd all gone over this stuff so many times so i feel like in league especially a game like that with the macro is so important i feel like that's still they're still missing a trick in the west in my opinion i i yeah i think that if i had inf infinite resources i would do things more like an nfl team where you break up the players by kind of position group so you have 
you have film review by position. So it's like all the defensive backs go into a room and all the quarterbacks go into a room. And if you had infinite resources to kind of like create highlight reels, because I think the problem is the the inefficiency of, of reviewing plays in League of Legends. Like what you want to do is get your jungler into a one-on-one conversation yes. and you want to show them, you know, very quick clips of their play to try and, fi- you know, focus on specific things. They do and this then, in the NFL. You know this, Monty. You'll take like I'm one saying, play yeah. and you just show them a clip of like, yep. here's your yes. four sequences where you messed up the blocking or whatever, right? Right. And then also it helps you prepare for your opponents because you can show them, hey, these are the tendencies of, you know, it, yes. what you're going to be facing for the next week. So I think a lot of what I would try and fix is like having a very efficient system for presenting information to players where you like clip it all out and like keep it snappy and really focused. Because I think that when you go through VOD review, there's so many things happening at the same time that it becomes difficult to focus. Players can like zone out because something's happening on the opposite side of the map and then they're not really engaged. Like I think you really just have to break it up by position and really focus the film. But the problem with doing that is it requires a lot of resources. We need more coaching stuff. You need more coaches. You need people who are like clipping that out and making it efficient so the it's, joke it's is Cassad made this point in CSGO and I agree with him I think they need it in league as well Monty I think you need an NFL type staff you need someone who really is the jungle coach you need someone who is like the macro coach, you know and then you, the idea is he just specializes in that and that's what he's doing because the last thing I'll throw in there is this I think the dumbest thing teams do is where they do a VOD review of the game that just finished guys if you're even going to take an example, use it in three days when there's no emotion attached and when I'm not just coming yeah. off the game, when I don't feel blamed. That you, you know what I mean? There's ways to do that with it. I've always thought that was the least efficient way to do it because like you're saying, let's say we play the game, Monty, where I think I'm double lift. I just 1v9 the game and we lost. Well, spoiler, I'm just tuning out everything you're telling the jungler in the top later. I'm thinking, they bloody idiots, like, had nothing to do with me. So I'm not learning anything in that VOD review, am I? Yeah. Um, I think, though, that if you guys want opinions on efficiency of practice, you should go to Artemis's TikTok uh, because Artemis, the former EG coach, has actually been making a lot of really well-reasoned content around scrim schedules. Um, and he's got – it's on his Twitter as well. But he just talks to the camera about, like, the issues that he sees with scrimming and efficiency in practice and everything like that. It's it's really good. Uh, how would you remake the NFL's overtime rules? I think they're okay right now. I think since they changed them so that each team is guaranteed a possession, it fixes a lot of the problems because they had to change at the end of last year because that Bills Chiefs game in the playoffs last year was maybe the best NFL game I have ever seen. Uh, and I mean, the, the, Chiefs, it, the Chiefs, the Bengals one was pretty good too. This one yeah, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I'm just saying that the the that game was so good and it went to overtime and then it just ended in the most unsatisfying way possible. Yep. So the fact that at least both teams get one possession, you do have to be careful because it, the problem with the NFL is that it's a fantastic football is a fantastic game where formats are always going to be limited by how dangerous that game is to yes. play. And so we just have to kind of take L's on format and we have to take L's in terms of overtime because we need to acknowledge that it is a ludicrously potentially deadly sport. Um, so I think I'll tell you a suggestion. No one's ever done. And it, right. you can only say this as a Brit and an outsider who isn't from America and doesn't know the NFL history, Monty. Here's the one. You remember the suggestion they had in the past for NHL for overtime, which is a pretty cool one. You keep taking a man off the ice every X minutes mm-hmm. to make a goal eventually because there's right. more space. Yep. What if in the overtime, the field shortened? <laughs> 
but you each get a crack. I, I mean, yeah. I, the thing is, wouldn't it's that like, be exciting? It's if you exciting, start like, if you start like the twenty. <laughs> it's, exciting. it's exciting in the same way though that penalty kicks are exciting where it's like you're changing the game so much yeah um, but here's my but problem Monty what I think kills overtime in the NFL and spoiler everyone who watched this year and last year's Chiefs Bengals games knows what I'm talking about imagine being on the losing team and then you just lose to a fucking kick that's the least satisfying way to ever lose a game and the yeah, problem with I the mean, kicks I, is they can make them from too far out now Monty I actually think kicks are way too OP in the fucking NFL now people can make it consistently like 40 it's ridiculous I, I think you would need to do it in a way because certain teams have different strengths like some teams are good at deep deep pass and everything That's like true. that and yeah, yeah. you know uh, it is sometimes for certain teams harder to score in the red zone because you, there's such a short field that the the pass coverage can get a lot better Sure. Right. So if you're a strong running team and you can kind of just pound it in, um, it, you you have an advantage. So maybe you start at like the 40 or something like that. Um, yeah, I think there there's de there's definitely options. There's definitely options. Uh, now uh, what was the rest of that? Let me that's think. That's it. That, that's it. Ah, oh, fair. I will say though, <laughs> one thing I is doing my editing about the NFL as a quick aside is mate. Maybe because in the past years, I wasn't actually as versed on what the rules were and how you differentiate them. Dude, it has the exact same problem the NBA does, which is every single massive game has an insane blown call late. Yeah. And the worst thing is, I've noticed this, and now I've realized it's, it's killing the game for me. I've noticed what NFL rules, F refs do, Monty, is the same NBA refs do. If you know you blew that call, but you, you're not going to stop, you're going to double down on it, you just try and give the other team a fucking stupid call right afterwards. It's like, you don't know, literally, when you're a child, two wrongs don't make a right. Why would it make sense to call a bad foul on him when you Because, mate, some of these ones you get where, like, the fucking, the most egregious are obviously where they're, they're literally on the replay, the wide receivers like that. And then someone's just like, and karate chop. And then they're like, that's a legitimate player. And then meanwhile, some fucking actual sick edge rusher will go in and almost put like Joe Burrow to bed, like quiet, sleep, sleep, go on, go on. And they'll be like, the unnecessary roughing, roughing the passing, passing. You're like, what is this garbage? Like, who the fuck made these rules? It's, got, it's so badly officiated. I think it's, bad, it's badly officiated, mate. I just I just don't understand why they still haven't put in like a cameras you know, the, the the sky ref where it's exactly. like you can overrule yes. you could look at it yes. and be like, nah, this was wrong. Come on, we have instant replay technology yep. right now. Surely we can do this better. It's stupid. Because the problem is cause the TV's gonna show you every angle. Like I always say that Ram Saints once from years ago. Yeah. The the, the reverse angle made it look so dodgy. You just knew it was hundred percent like pass interference, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, what careers would you guys have pursued if not for esports? I don't know. I mean, I've always said, and spoiler, don't fuck around. I might still do it. The dream was always comic book writer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never too it's a late. Pretty good one. Pretty good. It's one. never too late. Um, I think I do. the The reason I don't know the answer to that question is that when I graduated from college, I basically was like, well, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm going to go get the highest paying job that I can get. And I was working in a law firm in New York City because I wanted to have options while I figured it out. And I wanted to have resources to pursue my own interests. And because I had been involved in esports, um, you know, for years already in various capacities, when I saw an opportunity to do it, it was just fun for me. And I was doing it on the side. And it just, you know, eventually the industry got to the point where I could make it a career. So I basically created options for myself in order to pursue whatever took my fancy. 
So I don't, the, the answer is, I don't know, because I don't know if esports hadn't been going well, what I would have done with my time instead. Maybe I would have gone to a like literature PhD program. I was thinking about, um, go, I mean, I, I guess I can sort of answer this. Rice University in Texas has a, a PhD program in Western mysticism, esotericism, and Gnosticism. I was seriously considering going to that. So maybe I would have gotten a PhD in being a wizard. Basically, <laughs> uh, how to create a moral ethics values framework. That's a that's an interesting question. Yeah, you know, one thing I will say about that is the silly thing I think people do in the modern day, and it kind of shows how people have been sucked into this like commodified consumer culture, is they really do think it's like that guy there. You just ask, some, what book should I buy to define my entire moral worldview of what's right and wrong universally <laughs> through all of history, spirit and time, and how I should live? It's like, homie, that's the quest of life as far as I can tell, isn't it? Isn't that what the journey of life is to discover? Like, you, you immerse yourselves in different philosophies. You put yourself in different situations. I'd say a massive deal is you try in a detached way to look at your own life situations and ask yourself, look, even though you might feel annoyed, maybe you were in the wrong on that situation. Or, for example, even if it feels right, maybe you've violated one of your moral precepts that you don't do that. It's just it's someone you don't like. So you thought, ah, fuck, I'm not sure. Like, I think it, a lot, essentially, like I said, it's a journey. I don't think you can fit. There's no one. Like, it's, I'm so, sorry, I'm not the Christian, so I can't say read the Bible. Like, I'd say read all that shit. Read everything that potentially yep. has wisdom in it, you know, and take the good shit. I think, I think you have to go back to, I, I say this as an atheist, I think you do have to go back to religious texts, which offer a, a very large amount of accumulated human knowledge and things that fundamentally resonate with the collective unconscious, if we're using Jungian terms. I think you have to read philosophy. I think you you have to read mythology and ancient stories that hold wisdom. And I think you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I think you cannot have a moral framework without risk because eventually you are going to have a, you're going to discover a truth that goes contrary to groupthink, and you have to have the courage to take, to stake out that moral position. And sometimes staking out that moral position means that it hurts you. Um, from a financial career, uh, per interpersonal relationships uh, perspective. But I guess the way that I do things is, first off, obviously I take risks and I stand up for myself and I stand up for my beliefs. But I basically the way I look at my life is this. When I die, will I have been happy with the decision that I made? Because it, at the end of the day, when you die, it doesn't matter how much money you die with, Right. It matters the person you are when you are in that moment. And if you can, if you can honestly look back at your life and say that I made it, the decisions that were in line with my own values and my own character and activating that character. And so that's the way that I look at these things where I, when I, when I look at something that's going to be hard or uncomfortable and I say, if I look back on this in my deathbed, is this the right decision for me? Should I stand up in this moment? Will I regret that not taking that fight later on, even if it's going to be hard? And I, that's how I make the decision. One thing I would say as a little like pro tip is you can also observe it from the other side. So here's how it goes. When you actually do stand for something and say the truth when other people disagree and have moral precepts that say this is right and this is wrong and I'm not afraid to stand on that platform, you will have people hate you 
You must yep. is necessitated because logically the ones who disagree will despise you, will hate you. So here's how you can tell, in my opinion, like a compass, you're doing it right. And that it's what you want as your ethics. And It's when you have the right enemies. It's a, it's yeah. a myth that you shouldn't have any enemies. I love, for enemies. example, how ridiculous my enemies are. You know that famous like Voltaire statement, like, thank God for making my enemies so like ridiculous or whatever. Like That's how I feel when I see some of these idiots. And, the, and when, for example, they can't actually beat me because they haven't got any evidence on me. I haven't done anything wrong. So they have to lie or they have to concoct something. In that way, it shows me actually I'm doing right. I'm doing the right yeah. thing. And a lot, of the, a lot of the time, the enemies that you make are going to be the ones who are jealous of your strengths because they cannot mimic them or they're afraid of what it means. They're afraid of what it means if you're right, because it says that they have made an unethical action. Yes. If, if you it are implies something about something, them, right? Yeah. It implies something about them and they will hate you for it. Um, so it, I think the enemies are, are a good thing to have. Uh, answer these fun questions. Monty and Wolf are colloquially known as the Korean enthusiasts of this act. Uh, fellatio. Okay. What's the French French word for the number ten? Is, is this the, it's just like jeopardy or something? Okay. So French. <laughs> What's word the French for the... word for the number of ten? D. But he might be wanting me to say dicks. <laughs> I have okay. a friend. I have a feeling that if the first one's fellatio, then the second. Oh, because dice, right? Because that's ten. Yeah. It's okay. D, but yeah. Uh, what family of fruits did the former top laner? Oh, it's he wants deece, so he wants nuts. So, what family it's of fruits did the yeah. former top laner of <laughs> Samsung SSB Samsung Blue, I guess, and former jungler of Acorn. Rocks Tigers named themselves so it's Acorn okay, and Peanuts? Okay. So it's a, so it's uh, Felicio Deece nuts. Okay. nuts. <laughs> okay. Was this founder right, Paul play. Twenty or something? It was it. I figured it out okay. before I right. finished okay. it. It wasn't subtle, but it was funny. That was bad. Felicio Deece nuts. Uh, how good would the merch need to be for you to consider wearing TSM merch that they sent you for free? I would wear it for skits that make fun of TSM. I absolutely would wear it. I would wear free TSM merch. I could do fun stuff with that. Oh, people don't know. The only reason I didn't buy a TSM jersey for that reason, I just didn't want them to have my fucking address. You know, pretty <laughs> good reason. That's fair. about it. So. Uh, yeah, because uh, it would probably leak on double lift stream as Lena read it out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. What's more likely, a week of LEC without pauses or four months without controversy from Blizzard or Riot? Probably four months of without controversy from Blizzard or Riot. <laughs> oh, there's another thing. Look, look, at that's how you know, actually, that the game state's in a pretty good place and there's some good games going on. Because, mate, that hasn't stopped. They're still having all those fucking stupid pauses. Like, the joke is, like, in some games, I was saying before, there's no timeouts. Like, there may as well be at this point in time. It's getting ridiculous. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. What the fuck? I mean, he Who literally has, like, like, fucking, like, doesn't he have a Santa Claus out at one? But he has a Santa Claus outfit on at one it point. It literally takes yeah. place, like, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. It is a, but I heard, I don't understand why people, are, I know that this is, like, a popular thing to argue about, it's but I don't understand, all. I don't understand the counter argument that it's not a Christmas. Because their logic is, it's an action, it's like both, you idiot, like, jingle all the way is both, isn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just both, isn't it? And it, also the Christmas, Christmas element movie. is essential because if the it Christmas is, element isn't there, then what's the meaning behind his relationship with his wife? Why is that relevant? You know, it's also a Christmas party in the movie. Like the whole premise is based on the fact that it is Christmas. So I don't understand that. <laughs> uh, especially in an A, there's a discussion of player salaries based on leaked information. Do you think most of the leaked numbers are accurate? 
oh, we kind of talked about this earlier. No, they literally give all of the teams the budgets of the rosters because Riot has all the contracts. They don't break them down individually by player, I don't think. So that information leaks in other ways. I, I could be wrong about that. But they do get you. All the teams do understand that Liquid had like a $6.9 like million. Dollar the, it's almost like knowing year. what the cap is in the NFL, basically. Yeah. But without yeah. knowing the individual contracts, yeah. And I think it is important that the teams get that information. I, look, I think that information should just be made public. I think all player salaries should be made public. Um, that's my take. But I think um, I think it's important that the teams know so that they have an understanding of the spending and and kind of overall financial state of the league. Monty and Thor, is, though, I will say the way that question was asked is mad sauce. Because what he went is he just went, Monty, there's a lot of rumors at the moment. Are all of them true? It's like, what rumors are you talking about? Like, why? Like, you didn't even give a number. Like, you just, are all those leaks correct? Will you just co-sign it without knowing what I'm referring to? Like, what sort of trap is this? Is that way like when you go and ask for a signature, then you folded the letter over and it's like, I resign. It's like, you know, like, <laughs> give me a break. Uh, Monty and Thorne, what habit would you have most wished to pick up earlier in your life? Oh, this is easy for me, but I've already said it on By the Numbers, which is a CSGO podcast, so I'll do it again here. It's impulse control. I'm terrible. It's one of our worst <laughs> things. One of my worst things is I actually am even quite good tactically at doing things. It's just about, I, if I let my emotion take over, I see red and I don't even think I just fire off. Like the joke is, this is actually true. It was only a few years back. I even used to pause before I hit send tweet. Afterwards, <laughs> it was like, well, I could always do another tweet to follow it up. Like I was, <laughs> I was just send and then think, you know, I was like double lift basically. Um, I guess sometimes uh, I, I take people at face value and I assume good intent. That's probably one of my worst qualities. <laughs> you say that, but here's the problem, Monty. In a utopia, you'd be amazing. Your problem is you live in a dark, fallen world, isn't it? So, you know. <laughs> I, I, do, I do tend to assume the best out of people and don't assume malicious intent. So it, sometimes I get surprised. Um, because I here's the thing, guys. I really hate lying myself and i just don't do it so i get confused i honestly like get confused when people lie to me uh do you think riot actually thought the new world's format was better than the msi format or are they simply being spiteful to everyone who asked for double limit worlds they didn't want to change the the number of days of the world format it's very clear that they didn't want to kill their traveling circus and they didn't want to put it in one location or make it easy on themselves in terms of logistics to make double elimination happen. They want to move from city to city. That is the actual reason. It's the only reason I can think of because no, no, no other reason makes sense. I agree because here's the thing. I actually think a mega underrated aspect of doing good esports events, Monty, is going to either the same locations where you are familiar or having the same setup. And I can tell you, this is what ESL mastered in CSGO. They just made it so that, first of all, they did go to the same exact locations year after year after year and they would have the same type of event so it was set up the same way with the same number of days and what that means is once you nail the protocols you can iterate that over and over and you can be very very good as you're saying riots never done a massive ipl five style double a limb like ti type so the problem would be this i mean you've seen it with events like ti if there's ever any problems on the first days holy shit batten down the hatches we're all in trouble this is going to be really fucking squeaky bomb time so the problem if you're riot is this look we might not like the competitive format but they have nailed doing all the worlds they always get it done it always looks good they, they must know how to do that type of, so what they're sort of saying to us i get it it's sort of like but i don't want to change like the winning product like i've, I've already yeah. got a product i like so I, I even though i don't like it i, I can sort of understand why they do it still 
And uh, like I said before, they probably sold their sponsors on this traveling show. And so there might be financial reasons or contractual reasons. Like it, it, we don't know, maybe MasterCard and Mercedes really want to have all these live activations in different cities that might sponsors demand this shit. And it, it wouldn't be weird. So, for example, at Worlds, you know, they had MasterCard had a huge stage and stuff outside. You know, the brands care about this stuff. They care about the live interactions with thousands of people and they may just want to hit more people. I don't know. I don't know. They're they're. I just wish they would tell us the real reason. Like also, that is a real reason that we can understand. Also, if you're going to be sponsored by MasterCard, Double Limb would be pretty priceless. <laughs> a little bit of free advertising for you there. Just a free meal. Throw that one out there for free. There you go. Um, do you see any possibility of league expansions for any other regions aside from LPL? No, because they need to be profitable first before they expand. The owners. I mean, are the not joke gonna... is, we used to have LMS, didn't we? Now it's sort of fucking <laughs> gone down. Like I always have to tell people that on every on every MSI, you know, people act like PCS is like fucking Brazil or something. They're like, oh, they're gonna do. It. It's like. That, that's still the old LMS region, you know, that always produced, like, you know, the potential upset teams and people who can be in the LPL. Like, the joke is, if if that's going to happen, if LCS is going to scale down, like, the only thing that seems to be expanded is ERLs, maybe? That's about it, right? Yeah, grassroots stuff, I understand why they're doing that to create a better, like, uh, regional funnel. And it's working really well in Europe. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to expand the franchise leagues because it doesn't make sense to do that. Until I mean, I had an idea. This is a unique idea, but because Brazilians do speak Portuguese, my idea was because Portugal is barely relevant, sorry to Rooks and that, in Europe, is to take all the Portuguese players and send them to Brazil. Not because it'll be a better league. I just don't really like Portuguese slash Brazilians. So, <laughs> so you, you want right? them off your continent? Exactly. I just want to just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Uh, when we finally get double limit worlds, will there be a TSM Holy War style episode where viewers submit art or media where we have the victory parade? That would be cool. <laughs> oh, we can do that. Yeah. We should definitely do some more of those things anyway. <laughs> I'm picturing a montage of you guys talking about double limb on SI for a literal decade and then having finally ending on Riot's double limb press release. And by the way, nobody at Riot getting fired for making that mistake for 10 years. In one year, two years, and five years, do you still see yourselves covering League of Legends, whether that be because the game loses relevance or because you personally move on from the game? I mean, maybe. We'll see. Here's the thing. I used Doesn't to say... money. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know this. Money. Back in the day, I used to just tell people straight up, the reason I cover League of Legends is because, one, it's an enormous game, and then, two, it has a unique charm, which is as it's ever, the whole world plays it, right? Yep. I actually realize there's now, because there's now, there's enough years ago, by a third factor. Like, for example, even if League was smaller, if people like Dorm or LS or you, and so, I would still do shows, just have convos. Like, as long as I'm watching yeah. the games, as long as it's interesting, it would still be, I actually find creating the content, that when you've done something enough and you've, put in your, you've mastered your craft to some degree, it becomes pleasurable to just do the content as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. I've always enjoyed league of legends as a game and doing the analysis for it the things i didn't like about league of legends were riot games so now i'm in a situation where we can do bangers only stream we've got last free nation as a company so it's pretty fun for me oh again, here's honestly. the dream i'll tell you here's what no one's thought of and i'm just going to throw it out there monty this would be the best possible pivot imagine some like western billionaire bought riot games fired all the top cards and execs and just and we could just have the same ecosystem and game but with awesome people that i know that I'm so sad that i'm having to make this like a crazy fantasy but that would be fucking awesome i'll tell you Come what on, I'll, Elon. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for another 10 years if someone does that bit. i'll sign up tomorrow yeah. 
Let's go, let's go Elon. I love that. Let's get let's buy Riot. Because <laughs> I've always said the main thing about League of Legends that I find incredibly compelling, even though other people don't seem to think as much, is you have all of China trying to be the best and all of Korea, and you get these amazing. And you notice mm -hmm. how the dynamic will always be incredible. It'll never they'll never be. This is why the joke is League of Legends is the game that cracked the myth of the faceless Asian from StarCraft 2. Because they're so different as regions. Their style will always be different. The strengths, the culture, it's so fun. I find it mega compelling to watch those too. It's why actually the LPL becoming great, I think, gave League of Legends a second life at these worlds, etc. Yeah, it, it became a much more compelling thing when the, the LPL became more of an international threat, for sure. Uh, you have the cultural gravitas to change one social convention. Which one is it and why? Ooh. I mean, it has to do with social media, for sure, right? <laughs> I, I, think, I think what I would change is the social convention that it's somehow acceptable to just completely, I, I wish on social media, it was only allowed to say things you would say to that person's face. That would look, change the I will say, Monty, that is the most ridiculous premise for what social media is now. Though. I know. Like, that would be like everyone getting beaten up. All of, you know, it'd be like the end of Jin. You remember Jin, Salad Bob Strike back at the end where they go and they fly and they beat up all the people who are the critics of them. Yeah. It'd be like that, basically. If you want. Yeah. So like, I think you should only be allowed to say things on social media that you would literally say to another person. But I know face. something you'd love, Monty, because only people like you and Richard and Moses and Yanko know this. Do you want to know a very common thing that haters in CSGO have always said about me? They go, ha, like he'd say that to the player's face. It's like, you don't know me, homie. I'm built different. You don't I mean, know me. I, I actually do operate by the, the by that principle on social media where I will literally only say things on social media that I would be willing to say I, in person. I once went, you remember that time, me and you, when we were doing the Worlds thing? Oh, no, it was, it was a, I can't remember what it was for. You remember, I can't, maybe it was when I came for Overwatch League. You know, we went to the LCS that one time and like we went along. And we, it was when like Reg, I have that picture, hilarious picture with Reginald and stuff. Like, that's how you know it's years and years ago, right? Yeah. When we went along, if you remember, it was when Reaper was the coach of Cloud9, right? And I did yeah. exactly that. So I went up to Reaper and I thought, you know what? He always seems like he's good for a joke. And so to banter, I've told this story before. I even told him like, mate, you are one of the best LCS coaches of all time in the regular season. And I said it exactly <laughs> like that. And unfortunately, when I said like in the regular season, he just sort of went like, huh. And then I actually felt like a bit bad, like, nah, it doesn't really work as well. Because the problem is there's no audience. I'm just being rude to him now, aren't I? So I was even like, ah, oh, forget it. My bad, man. Don't worry about it. You are, you are good. Don't worry. I just felt bad inside. Ah, oh, shit, that doesn't work. Oh. Right. And, and like some of this shit I say on social media, I would say, you know, it's the same exact thing I would say on a broadcast, right? In, you know, publicly. So I just try and I just try and operate by that principle. But a lot of people will just like start shit that they would never start with you in person. And, you know, I could be very, I could be very confrontational in, in, in person if people are doing things I don't like. So I try and operate by that principle. I would oh, change that social. Look, culture. you know this, but one of the ones that does drive me up the wall is the ones that just go like, ha, if I saw Thor and I'd fucking ring his neck, it's like, you don't, again, you don't know me, homie. You don't, <laughs> I, I ain't that nerd. You think I am, homie? I'm just saying so, but let's not get into that. So I'll say mine is this, and mine is also massively on brand because it's ridiculous. It could never happen. The, obviously, spoiler, this is just totally playing into all my strengths and, all, and it did, removing all my weaknesses. I hate, Monty, that you can say something that is true in every regard, but you're not supposed to say it because it's rude or it hurts people's feelings. 
Yeah, I told you it's pathetic. You. You know, like, I am wishing for a totally different world. You wouldn't, you wouldn't destroy small talk. You hate that too. I, no, here's the thing. I actually learned on that one. That's one thing I came around on. Small talk, when you say, I don't do small talk, just means you're bad at it and you don't want to level up, you know. Small talk I learned is this. Yes, you think it doesn't have any value. That means you're telling on yourself. It does. What small talk does is it allows you to, like, basically, like, um, what do you say, calibrate where the other person's at and then figure out where to make the depth of the conversation. So, for example, if you talk to the guy, you're actually, he's not having a good day. Maybe you don't go into a thing about sports. Maybe if you keep it like, you know, like, I actually think small talk is very important now. I, I was wrong on that one. I'll, I'll take the L on that one from years ago. <laughs> Okay. But I'm saying if you could change the social conventions. So oh, if I could get rid of it at all. Yeah, I wouldn't even need to learn exactly. Saying. You're, you're literally changing a, a human social yeah, convention. Go. I feel like you would do that. <laughs> but yeah. All right. That was the last question. Thank you, Grog Coiners. Remember to hit that channel uh, if you have any questions. Um, I will be in there looking for your messages. Um, yeah. And we will be getting together a different way to do this in the future. Uh, as for other stuff be sure to of course subscribe to our channels really appreciate that whether it's youtube being a subscriber following our twitch channel uh i will be doing more bangers only starting 8 a.m tomorrow uh we've got some a lot of very good matches that are going to be coming up this week including t1 versus hanwa life and then gen g versus d plus i'll be covering on my personal stream monte cristo on twitch tomorrow so go ahead and follow that as well and we've got other shows power spike started this week uh, it's a snappy show. It's about an hour long uh, segment based. So it's pretty different. We cover a lot of regions on that show. Monty Wolf show. Best damn league show is going to be live tomorrow. Uh, if you are an LEC fan and there's lots to talk about there as LEC, all the games are very meaningful this next week because they created a format. Who could have known that if you create a good format, all the games are exciting? Shocking. shocking and I did tell you, I did tell you all when it's only three weeks, I can vibe with the little round robin. That's okay. Yeah. It's going to, yeah, for sure. In and out. You, you don't feel like it lasts too long. Now we're going to go to the better format. So I think I, I'm fine with this format, mate. Yeah, it's good. Yep. And especially because this last week, like there's going to be a lot of really important oh, games. It's going to be a should be, should be fun. So, Thanks, guys. Thank you for supporting Last Free Nation. If you subbed on the stream, I saw a lot of you guys did that. We really do appreciate it. We will see you next week, same time, Tuesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central European time. On Tuesdays, FODs comes out on Wednesday morning. Goodbye.